I'm the target of a meat missile going 150 miles an hour plus. That got really <laughs> exciting all of a sudden. I'm doing canopy safety. Um, I drive like an Asian, so I don't know if it's the most appropriate thing ever. I'm killing it. Utah, give me two. You're listening to Gravity Lab Radio, hosted by DJ Marvin and produced by Nicholas Lott. Have we talked about skydiving the whole time? Good day, mates. <laughs> Good day. Good day. What's going on? <laughs> Guys, gals, we got a Luke Rogers from you can guess where. Where are you from, Mr. Luke? Australia. Australia. I don't think there's an A on the beginning, is there? Oh, we usually just say Australia. Australia. Kind of like America. Yeah. Australia. Yeah. It, we just minimize as much as we have to talk, really. If there's if there's a shortcut to say something, like we'll say it that way. Because you're a bunch of siggy butt brains. <laughs> oh my god, siggy butt brains. That's actually from an area where I am from, so that's quite scary. Those, those bogans, eh? Yeah, he is bogan. We joked around about it last year, but they were like, "No, seriously, that's where he's from." Yeah, I'm from a place called Logan, uh, in Brisbane, Queensland, Australia, and that's pretty much the home is of the bogan. Brisbane and Logan. Logan? Uh, Brisbane is outside of Logan, but it's like holds Logan I as mean, its baby. Is, is there like, where has the, where does the name Bogan come from? Where, what does it mean? I have no idea, but it means I'm gonna, basically, I'm gonna see if I can find it. yeah, look it up. But I think what you'll find is it means like, uh, like you guys have hillbillies and we have Bogans. I think that's, that's the general consensus. I've, I've heard it, uh. Basically, your white trash of Australia is what Bogan has been briefly explained to me as. Yes. And what's that? What's that? Siggy butt brain. That's the name of the. Ah, the, the, uh, uh, no, that's just like a. It's like a cartoon series on, like it's a web series, and they just have these just absolute full Bogan morons just come <clears throat> in and just say the most Bogan things, and it's just. Hilarious because it's all true. Oh, they look like Cyan Royce arguing over the cigarette lighter. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I had never seen him do it. But, but Images. <laughs> um, we shared, actually, uh, Siggy Butt Brain on, I believe, Texas episode. No, because I didn't share anything because I failed at your job. <laughs> oh, did we bring it up before? <laughs> yeah, we shared it somewhere, man. Oh. I don't know who it came up with. Uh, there's also another series you might like if you like Siggy Butt Brain. It's called The Big Les Show. You got to check it that like out. Pornhub. Well, it it's been kind a while. of. No, don't go back down. <laughs> Let's the put porn it this way: up. it's like a, it's like this bogan guy, um, sort of lives with these time traveling yetis or sasquatches. <laughs> it is as trippy as that sounds. It is trippier, and they've got like, like it's it's got so much drug reference in there. Like dead set, they're just bonging on air, like completely and just tripping balls every episode it's hilarious you got to check it out well wikipedia says that the origin of the word is unknown but yeah. it defines it as an australian and new zealand slang for a person whose speech clothing attitude and behavior are considered unrefined or unsophisticated that is a very polite way to explain luke rogers that is <laughs> we we've wrapped up explaining one person on gravity lab in just that short of a time We're well done. i'm pretty much the poster boy for a bogan i guess <laughs> I had a, a good friend. I wish I knew this Bogan uh, years ago because I have a good friend. She visited Australia for a summer skydiving. It was our winter, y'all summer. Yeah. And her last name is Bogan. Get out of here. B-O-G-A-N, spelled the same oh. way. I'm like, oh, my <laughs> fucking God. As I talk like a redneck Texan right now, oh, <laughs> that is fun of it. That's hilarious. Dude, so, A, it's good to see you back, man. It's It's been a while. It's good to be back. Um, 
I want to kind of share people with people who you are. You're, we'll we'll kind of get in the story, but I met you a year and a half, almost two years ago. Yeah, nearly. Yeah, and you came here for the All You Can Jump package, and I want to talk a little bit about that, if you don't mind. Yeah, go for it. And I also want to, uh, man, the wicked world of wingsuiting, we've had we had quite a few cool wingsuiters on the show, but I don't think anybody understands it in the technology that you do. You're yeah. a nerd. Yeah, pretty much. I'm the yeah. nerd of wingsuiting. So I want to get into some of like the nerdy side of wingsuiting, oh, if you don't mind, man. Okay, we'll, we'll touch on it. We, we won't get too crazy. We won't, yeah. we won't scare people or do numbers too much. With, without pointing at grass, we can only go so far. You know? <laughs> I don't want to get that deep into yeah. the rabble. Um, so a year, year and a half, almost two years ago, you came to Australia. Or you came to America for. <laughs> you came to Australia. Came to Australia. I, yeah. I noticed the Australian <laughs> flag on your pants at the same moment that you said came you know, to Australia. Yeah, it's. And I was these, like, Fuck these it, are what my, country are we in? These are my Australian parachute um, federation 2017 official apparel for the World Cup because you are on the Australian national team. Yeah, and it also so happens to be the only pair of long pants I brought with me. <laughs> so so I'm repping 24-7 at the moment. They're looking sharp, my friend. <laughs> Dude, they look great, man. Mm. I want to get to how you got there. So when we met you a year, almost two years ago, how many skydives did you have when you showed up here? When I showed up, I probably had, I think it, was a, it wasn't a flat number. It was like 358, if I remember correctly. So mid-threes. Yeah, mid-threes. How many do you have today? A uh, little over... Nearly 1,500. And I think when you left last year, you had 1,300, 1,400. Yeah, just scraping into the 1,400s, yeah. So over 1,000 jumps last year on all you can I jump I think I got 1,020. I think because I went to different drop zones and stuff yeah. as well. So I did a few extra ones over there. So that year I did like 1,100 maybe in total. But but uh, over 1,000 on the on that oh, unlimited easy. jump package. And that was... That was um, it, that that wasn't even trying real hard. That was pretty unreal. No, you guys like early on tried to hit it hard and heavy, <clears> and Royce and Sai, and then you guys very yeah. quickly were like, "Wait a minute, let's pace ourselves." We got all year, and you actually paced yourself. I think the best of everybody, but you had mm. a focus. You had a fucking goal when you showed <laughs> up. Yeah, I did. Like when Royce and myself come over, we were actually forming a acro wingsuit team, and since we did. I th we did about 10 hours tunnel in Utah before we come over and then we just converted that into the sky because we knew the jump package, if we did 300 and 328 jumps, we'd break even on the package. So we were trying to get that 328 jumps done as fast as possible so we break even. So then anything after that's a bonus. Like, so we were just like smashing out free fly jumps and then because that was the fastest way to get jumps done because wingsuit jumps are slow, you miss loads, you can't pack as quick. And we just thought, hey, if we're going to do acro, you know, the best, the best way to go about is to learn how to fly your body first, you know. So that's sort of the way we went about it. And Cy and Chantel, they sort of, they're on the package too, yeah. another Australian couple. Uh, they were leaps and bounds above us in free fly and they just... Pretty much had personal coaches the whole time. It was unreal. Oh, dude, Sai came in with you guys <coughs> under his fucking wing, and it was such a great arrangement because yeah. he really enjoyed sharing. And, you know, you're at that point now. You get to share. But when you have somebody who wants it and as hungry as you and Royce were, yeah, it's a joy and a pleasure to share, <laughs> man. Yeah, we were, we were definitely hungry. Royce was actually the hungriest out of the lot, I can tell you that, hands down, because at the end of the day when everyone was stuffed, he was always like scrambling to get anyone he could to just finish loads or get loads up, that that extra load. And you then know? go fly in the tunnel half the night. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the dude was an animal, man. Yeah. Do you know how many jumps he did during that time frame? 
he he did at least twelve hundred, didn't he? Gosh, I don't know what the number is. I know it was a lot. He's he did at least twelve hundred. I swear. Like when I when I was there, he'd done. Well, I did a thousand and twenty, and he was already up to eleven hundred by then. It's gonna be curious. There's a guy or gal out there, a guy in particular, Glenn Downing, who I think is gonna. I've seen him online. He he looks like he's killing it. He's hungry. Yeah. You know, I actually started uh, filming him today for. Uh, you know, you saw the jump package video I did about Blair last year. Yeah, yeah. we'll do another video this year, and, and he'll he'll be the star. Dude, yeah. I actually when he showed up, I said you're the American Blair. Oh Just my God. when he showed up, that's who he was to me. Appearance, demeanor, everything about him, he was the American Blair. And 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 he's living in that baller ass van, oh, holding dude, it down. And fucking uh oh, dude, Texas van looks dope. By the way, yeah, it's a pretty dude. Have you been in it? I have not. It's, just Tex has a van? He has a van that now just lives at the drop zone. He's waiting oh my for God. somewhere to park it, I guess. But right now it lives at the drop zone. But Yeah, super legit. It's got windows, so it's more of a... a rape him on the floor van? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Like I've owned a rape van before, and it is spectacular. Like, not the rape, but the van itself. <laughs> Like, you know, <laughs> the rape's a, just mediocre, the, though. Right? Well, that just comes with it, you know. Like, it's it's not like they're enjoying it. They're always kicking, screaming. That's the best. You know, you get black eyes, scratches. Uh, but no, I had this, I had this van in Australia. Like, it was awesome. It was full tinted, like typical rape van. On the inside, it had like leopard skin, like lining, and I had these Velcro thongs, <laughs> right, that I'd stick to the roof. And then every time, like, this is when I was younger, by the way. Sorry, Yvonne. Um, I had these thongs that I stick to the roof. Thongs, you mean like flip-flops, right? Pluggers, yeah. Flip-flops. Pluggers, yeah. Pluggers. 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 Flip-flops. Flip-flops. All right. So I had these pluggers. Thanks for the clarity, because well, I thought he meant underwear. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I was like, thinking. Man, he's on the ceiling. Well, but anyway, so you stick them on the wall randomly, or you stick them on the roof, and then people ask, like, what are they for? And I was like, well, put your feet in them and find out. Like, <laughs> so if you're sticking to the wall and the roof, they'd be in like all these weird positions. And you go, that, well, that's what they're for. Well, I know <laughs> what I'm adding to my van this week. <laughs> oh, my so God. So if Tex could put some Velcro pluggers in his van, that would be some very pluggers. helpful. Yeah, are you offering to like come fill those? I'll show pluggers? him how to. I'll show him how they how to, how to do it. And <laughs> which are the best positions to have the thongs in? Hmm. That's about show, two or three. show them how to get plugged with the pluggers, huh? <laughs> so uh, I'm breaking news. Yvonne's single now. <laughs> she just no, no, I'm kidding. The look she's giving this, you right now, Mister. Yeah, look, you can tell. Look, she's slightly pissed with don't, that twinkle. Don't worry, in her I'm eye. not going to put that camera on you. <laughs> yeah, she, it's uh. Anyways, back to you living in a van. Sorry. Yeah. Anyway, that's it. I wasn't living in a van. I lived in that teepee for the year. Oh, my in God. In Spaceland. So when you guys first showed up, you were super hungry, and you decided that the best place for you to live was, a, I believe it's a yurt, technically? Uh, yeah, it is it is a yurt. It's like a canvas teepee, basically. Ginormous. It's the only way to explain it. Yeah, it's like, it's what's four meters to you guys over here in mystery land? Just over 12 feet. Just under 12 so, feet. So, yeah, it's 12 feet wide, and I'm only like... I'm a midget, so I'm like five foot nothing, and I could stand up in this thing quite easily. Dude, uh, was it you or Blair had a queen-size air mattress in there? Uh, so basically what happened is I bought my full setup, and then Blair asked me what I bought, and he, I just cut-pasted on Amazon and pressed send. So I had uh, a three, three different foam mattress, like it was three different layers, and it was just, it's better than the bed I have at home, actually. And it only cost me 150 bucks. Like, this thing is amazing. 
It's uh, just like a memory foam yeah. mattress? It comes rolled like a cigar yeah. and, and like you cut it and it just goes <laughs> like straight open and that's it. You just put a sheet on it and good to go. Uh, you make fart noises and say <laughs> shit. Yeah. You guys now, how many jumps, you said you focused on flying your body and it's it's a redundant theme I keep hearing when I talk <clears> to people who are flying at high levels. We focused on something basic before we tried to do something awesome. Yeah. How many jumps do you think you and Royce did free flying and just flying your body in various places before y'all got a little bit more active with? Because you didn't do acro much till the end of the year. Yeah, exactly. Hardcore, at least. I didn't really focus on it at all. Like that was just something that I did in between training jumps. You know, just to uh, I felt because you have to fly on such uh, weird angles and things to gain a lot of speed for competitions that you need to fly all angles. You know, so. That's where the acro came in. And yeah, I sort of took a right turn as soon as I got here. Like Royce went to free fly. Mm-hmm. He found a new passion. And, we and a twin brother. Pretty much. <laughs> he found a twin bro- uh, American Royce and they went and had American children or whatever they're doing. Wait, who's American Royce? I'm missing it. Boer. Boer. Okay, that's yeah. the one. I, I thought about uh, body type that Michael Boer kind yeah. of stood yeah. out. But. Yeah, yeah, because that's how he was, that's who he's doing all the tunnel time with and stuff. And it was just so funny that that was so similar. You ended up chasing the wingsuit dream super hard. Yeah, so as soon as I got there, um, I got one of my mates from Australia to send me, um, <clears throat> because I'd only, I'd only flown small suits um, until I got to Spaceland. And then... I kind of made a bit of bit of a big jump, I because I was confident because I had been doing all this free fly, and you know I jumped a bigger suit size, uh, like the Aura size from a Swift, which is like fr- very much frowned upon, and I would not suggest anyone do that because uh, there's a lot of bad things that happened. I had four chops while I was in Spaceland. <laughs> um, yeah, they were thinking about making an unlimited chop package for me in, in the rig. So how, how does the suit you were flying connect with uh, having more cutaways? Uh, basically, it restricted me a lot um, because when you're racing and you're wearing larger race suits, um, <clears throat> they like to stay really, really inflated, um, really stiff, and they don't like to pull any air out, whereas a small suit you can move your arms in but with the bigger race suits it's really hard like you really have to push your arms in to get to the to get to the um, pilot chute and is that just the rigidity of the suit and how it's built or just because you have so much more surface area causing resistance just a lot bit of bit of everything and inside your uh, wingsuit we also have an extra leading edge foam inside there which really restricts your arms from moving in I remember the first race suit I had, the one that I did chop, I couldn't reach my handles at all, even on the ground. Um, but that was just because I had this race foam in I wasn't used to and I had my chest strap super tight. So I actually used my opposite arms to chop away and to release because it's easier to reach there and there. But yeah, I, after like my first few flights, of that realizing that I couldn't quite like reach my safety handles. I started on the ground was just really practicing all of my emergency um, techniques and stuff like, yeah, like trying to reach the handles a lot better and finding better ways to do it. I spent a lot of time on the ground, like learning that cause it was quite frightening. I bet that was scary. Yeah. It's uh, because they are literally like, they're so high performance that if you're, 
if you lose control of the wingsuit and start to get into what they call a flat spin, because these suits are just meant to fly on all angles, they'll actually power up the flat spin and you won't be able to get Fuck. out of it. Uh, but, you know, and that's why the free flying helps so much um, because I've noticed a lot of people that don't free fly have flat spins and people that can free fly get out of flat spins almost instantaneously. What does it feel like when you enter into a flat spin? What? I have never been into a flat spin. Oh, okay. Uh, I've tried I'll to induce... <laughs> oh, DJ's racing <laughs> no, his I, head. Uh, I, I know what a feeling starts like, but I got yeah. back under control. I, can, I got on a 360 quick. Yeah, the best I did, I tried to induce a flat spin to see if I could get out of one. Um, so I just got on my back and just started to carve really quick, basically. And then you sort of get into a spin, but nothing that I couldn't feel like I couldn't control it you know um i've seen a lot of bad accidents on these race suits where mm -hmm. people get into flat spins and they almost get knocked out they come down and their eyes bloodshot are just eyeballs bloodshot eyeballs yeah. like their heads are just throbbing it just looks like a horror scene you know it's Dude. it's quite crazy but yeah people have passed out from spins like that in, yeah. tandem, in the tandem world <coughs> we have a side spin that gets spinning just as fast yeah it's i don't doubt that for a second People yeah. pass out, have problems. Yeah. So you would you made that crazy move. Thankfully, you. Uh, I'm with you. I don't condone it. I don't think it's the best move, but you definitely pulled not. it off well. I um, mean, a part of yeah. it was through luck. Yeah, definitely. Um, but I did learn um, the biggest thing about jumping a suit size like that is the power change. It, there's a lot of power in the suit and deployments, um, which are, you know, if you want to skydive again, you know, deployments are fairly impo important. <laughs> and uh, in a wingsuit, when you go to a larger wingsuit, there yeah. is a massive, massive burble behind you. So, and not only that, these wing, these race suits go super quick. So I had some real bad, bad openings, real pounders, you know, just trying to find out um, because I had little experience in a bigger suit, I had to learn how to pitch, how to do all this. And I sp finally spoke to TJ Langren. Yeah. And he basically gave me some really good advice. Um, so I had about four or five spanker openings. And then I was like, no, nah, I can't keep doing this. I need to talk to someone with experience. And that's when I realized I'd made a silly decision to jump suits. But, you know, after that, it was, it was quite fine. So what did you change? Um, so basically what I was doing before, I was deploying like I was in a smaller suit. So usually I just fly along with my mates, give them the finger and then pitch. Yeah. Where is you can't really do that at 200 kilometers an hour going forward. That really it's is a lot harder. of speed. That's a lot of speed. So basically, what we what we try to do now these days is we either flare up, reduce the speed, reduce the speed, and then just before you go over the over the peak of the flare, uh -huh. you level out. Um, so there's wind going over your back. So when you pitch the pilot chute, it goes into that wind, and there's no burble, no anything because you know, that wind's washing off over your back and it picks it up. Sorry. Yeah, it's all good. Yeah, I'm just using my hands a bit over here. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, man. <clears throat> um, that's that's an interesting technique. I recently made a few wingsuit jumps, I say recently, uh, earlier this year. Yeah. And uh, they <coughs> they tried Kimball. You know Kimball. Yeah. He, uh -huh. uh, yeah, I know Kimball. He was trying to teach me to flare and pitch. And yeah. I mean, I started the whole sequence, but, you yeah. know, I flare and pitched. It, yeah. It, just as I started changing attitude. And I went from a... Uh, uh, Phantom 2, seven years ago, by the way, don't recommend this progression either, <laughs> to a uh, Piranha 2. Yeah, right. Which is a decent bit bigger. It is a bit bigger. And I had uh, a nice uh, uh, air clearing 360. Yeah. Like, I was out of control up to yeah. the last 90. I'm like, Phew. yeah. Just do everything I was taught. Went through EPs and training with uh, Karnoff and Kimball. 
Yep. And uh, and then the, that's everything. I was amazed. Just that size difference, touching my handle, was yeah different. It's mega. I couldn't imagine on the size suit you're flying, dude, because you're flying a fucking bed sheet. Yeah, I'm flying pretty much a carpet, so it'll go out to my arms, and then it'll it'll almost go from my arms all the way straight to my feet. Like it's a full surface, and the tail on them, you know, I, it's almost as big as my foot again below. You know, so they're quite large. Dude, it, it's ridiculous. How fall, how <coughs> fall, how slow can you fall in a suit like that? Uh, I can hold, if I'm trying to just like slow down, I can hold like uh, 45 seconds. Like 45, sorry, 45 kilometers an hour down. I can hold that consistently. What's that in stupid American speed? Thank <coughs> you. 45 kilometers, hold on, I got the math, hang on. Yeah, you got the math. I'm yeah. just a silly bogan that can't add up without a calculator. He's got he's got the magic box over there. Yeah. He's not using the calculator. He's using <coughs> Google. Googs. Googs. Um, and then forward speed. How fast can For, you go? 45 kilo- kilometers is uh, equivalent to 27.96 <coughs> miles. So yeah. about 30 miles an hour downward. So that's one of the disciplines Jesus. that we, we do in our racing. That's called time. So that's um, basically just come into the window. We flare up back out of the window as high as we can, and we're just trying to stay in the air for as long a time as possible before we come through that thousand foot window again. So that's how we practice that. And you're almost sitting at a stall point at some wingsuits, and other wingsuits like to go a lot faster, and they can hold a lower fall point as well. Yeah. So there's there's a lot of de- techniques. So last I, last summer, you were explaining to me a lot of what you were doing. Yeah. And I was trying to keep up, but a lot of it was <coughs> extremely new ideas to me. As you know, we didn't have a super active, competitive wingsuit community. We had a yeah. lot of good casual flyers. Yeah. Um, dude, they just set the Texas State record. I saw yeah, that. I was dude. I was actually involved in the last one. Uh-huh. Um, and then for some reason afterwards, they wanted to do an All-American one. And uh, basically, they just said... All right, all the wingsuiters, we're just gonna take one off, Luke Rogers. Just, just <laughs> leave, leave the, uh, leave the hangar, please. And then they did an all American. Sounds record. like a purple mic announcement. <laughs> yeah, oh, mate. <laughs> the funny thing is, the funny thing is, I've got like a half purple wingsuit now, and I got called out as Purple Luke. Oh yes. man. man, I bet I, that stung. Yeah, a little bit, <laughs> dude. The dots out that he he put dots out for everybody to lay on for practices. Yeah. Guess what color the dots were? Uh, were they purple? Yes, they were. Uh. But, dude, I, I have <coughs> to give a lot of props and respect to Purple Mike. I yeah. watched a lot of what he did during this event, <coughs> and he did a super good job focusing on safety with everybody, talking about safety on every aspect yeah. of the skydive. Um, he was a lot more relaxed and chilled. Like, at the beginning, he got a little barky, and I yeah. doing an event with Mike. He can be that way. <laughs> and by the end, he was speaking a lot calmer, being a lot more relaxed, being a lot more comfortable. And, uh, dude, I, I was impressed with yeah. his overall... Uh, a lot of people give him a lot of stick. I mean, he's he's a cool, harmless dude, but a lot of people give him a lot of stick because he just loves them puppies, you know? He loves them puppies <laughs> and the wingsuit rodeos. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yvonne, <laughs> <laughs> you ever been on a wingsuit rodeo? Arch. Arch <laughs> is, is the call I keep hearing out of the pack and roof floor. Just got to arch. Just arch it out. It's all good. A lot of people, that's like an inside joke. I think a lot of people will be laughing at that. Oh, my God. I, I don't understand what you're saying at yeah, all. I good. don't get it. Good. Um, Is it true that once a girl gets her uh, A license that it's mandatory to go on a rodeo wingsuit jump? That's what I heard. Only if they're back flying, though, right? Only only if the wingsuit is back flying. Okay, that's what I thought. And, you, I mean, don't pay attention because he's just going to be arching, and that's how you back fly. Seems, okay, it's, uh, seems efficient. 
Well, I mean, even Mac Eddie says, you know, dick up, head back. That's how he says to backfly. So <laughs> interpret that. Solid Matt advice. Matt Gertie's. Who's that? Uh, he's one of the owners of Squirrel. Okay. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I don't, I, I'm definitely not as connected <coughs> to the wingsuit community as, as I might want to be. Yeah. Wait, it's head, uh, say it again. <laughs> dick head. up, head back. Don't look at yourself. Dick up, head back. All right. Yeah. It's just, you know, like, you just got to think, like, when you're flying windsuit on your stomach, you, like, got a slight, slight, like, um, D-arch. Cup. Yeah, slight cup. Head down a bit. And then you just want to repeat that when you're on your back. Mm-hmm. Pretty simple. Um, <clears throat> dude, I, man. Oh. So moving <laughs> on. Yeah, moving on. Moving. So you got a new uh, wingsuit today. I did. Have you put it on yet? Uh, I have not put it on, actually. Mm. Um, yeah, Squirrel sent me a wingsuit uh, a few days ago and it arrived at Spaceland. Um, and I, I don't know anything about the suits until I get them. And it's up to me to sort of... Does it uh, come in a secret classified envelope <laughs> for your <laughs> eyes comes, only? Yeah, pretty much. And I sort of have to keep it out of prying eyes until, like, the competition. I mean, Tony suits and that do it all the time as well. Like, it, the suits are pretty... Like, when you're buying uh, a race suit from Squirrel, you'll get the most updated version. So if you buy a suit in January and then you buy the same, like a C-Race in January or a CR Plus in January, it won't be the same as, like, March or April. Like, I realize that you're sponsored by Squirrel Suits, but uh, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say that they are the baddest-ass-looking suits. Yeah. I've never flown a wingsuit, <laughs> but, man, theirs look really sharp. Yeah, well, especially now that you can do all these customizations, like... You can have, if you really want, you can just have like donkeys all over your suit or whatever floats your boat, cats. You can. There's some dude who had a picture of all his friends put on a suit. Yeah. I saw that on Facebook yeah, somewhere. Yeah, that's, uh, I think that was over in Dubai. So are they printing it on the fabric and then making the suit? Is that's that how it goes? That's correct. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, so they'll print it on the fabric. And so you send it to this, it's a separate company that does it. So Squirrel doesn't do it. They uh, send it to a separate company and they've got the, like, uh, Dye sublimation, maybe? Yeah. So they've got the cutouts of all the suits and everything, and they just lay it out onto the suit exactly how they want, as good as possible, then they cut it out, and then they sew it together. Is, is those logos sewed on, or is it? No, it's all printed. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, so you're, you're, I don't think you're just sponsored by Squirrel, though. And, dude, I, I will say I don't have a lot of wingsuit jumps myself, but <sighs> I look at the difference in how you hold your arms in a squirrel suit and how much more comfortable that is. Yeah. Like, yeah. I've, I've flown suits that are meant to be flown the other way and just relax my arms. I'm not flying as efficiently, but put my yeah. arms in that squirrel position. And, dude, it's a, it, if I were to buy a new suit and get back into wingsuit, I would go with a squirrel. But yeah. You, are you test jumping squirrel suits? Are you a test jumper uh, for them? or? Technically, no, I'm not a test jumper. I have I have flown uh, a few of their prototype suits, you could say. Okay. Um, they're quite... <laughs> it, I would love to just be full-time testing squirrel suits if you're listening, Matt. Um, that would be an awesome job. I will take that. Dude, I... Uh, and I've watched you collect that. I've watched you study and nerd out on the skydives you make. Yeah. If there's anybody who I'd want to help me, uh, and you actually <coughs> helped with LMB test some altimeters before. Yeah, that's correct. And you gave me the most feedback of everybody on the test teams. Uh, uh, you and, and then, uh, what's that skinny kid's name who went to uh, Saipan? <coughs> Mr. Tommy Miller. Tommy Miller. Tommy that's Miller. motherfucker's name. God damn. Yeah, what is he doing? I see he's just taken uh, off. LTD. Yeah, he's in Saipan. I think he's actually going to be back in town sometime in the next couple of weeks. Oh, cool. I think he's in town for a week and then fucks off to Saipan for 
another nine months or something. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, no, That's he's, crazy. he is uh, dead to me. <laughs> Fuck you, Tommy Miller. You <laughs> yeah. abandoned me for the life of a beautiful island with crystal clear blue waters. I saw him snorkeling the other paychecks. day. What a dick. Yeah, I live in the dream. What an asshole. Fuck him, dude. <laughs> he, he's successful. What an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. But yeah, so yeah, I was testing the LMB for you and LMB stuff. And, you know, that was that was a pleasure, really. That was awesome. So we've had the conversation on here a few times about uh, people's progression into free flying. This yep. is a common thing. Someone gets their A license. They don't really understand <clears throat> what it means to be ready to start free flying. Yeah. And they start way too soon, right? That is correct. So, uh, someone with a lot of experience and someone who sounds like you've made some uh, some missteps in your progression that you could probably definitely uh, have some guidance for others. Yeah. So, the USPA recommendation is 200 jumps, right? Yeah. For a wingsuit. Um, I don't think that all of the USPA recommendations are. Uh, it's not the numbers that I would pick. So, <laughs> how how do you feel about someone with 200 jumps learning to wingsuit? Someone who's uh, well. Just your, your average flyer, because you know that there are always going to be those people who are really good at 200 jumps. That's correct. But that's not everybody. I think um, what you really should be looking at, like numbers numbers are a good guide. Um, and I think these numbers that the USPA are giving uh, should, shouldn't be used as like, uh, like definite numbers, like 200. I'm going to do my wingsuit jump on number 200. I wouldn't recommend that. Um, first of all, I'd, I'd go to a coach and say hey, do you think I'm ready? And then you take them through some tracking and some movement jumps. But I th honestly, like the biggest thing is also canopy. You know, like in a wingsuit, you're going to be likely, you know, more likely to land off than anyone else, you know. And if you don't have good canopy skills, if you don't have good body awareness, you know, I think 200 jumps, you know, for me, I, from jump number 80, I threw on a tracking suit. And I just did tracking suit jumps until 200. So progressing to a wingsuit was very natural for me. My first flight course was just butter. You know, if someone wants to go towards like being a wingsuit pilot per se for these 200 jumps, I would say as soon as you can, you know, talk to your coaches, get as much coaching as you can through your flat, through your belly belly flying and just learning how to fly your body because if you can't if you can't flat fly and do successful things in groups flat flying there's no way you're going to strap on a wingsuit and think you're going to progress and be successful i mean you need to learn how to make small inputs because wingsuiting is all about fine fine inputs you never want to make these massive dramatic inputs because you know if you turn left suddenly i mean you're you're like 50 feet that way in a second you know what i mean like it's it's pretty crazy you want to be able to go flat fly with other people and like side slide all that sort of stuff you know and then it's totally different when you're moving forward a hell of a lot more than you used to as well so a lot of tracking is very important but i totally agree with you 200 to some people is too early because there's a lot of people that don't get coaching between getting their a license and uh you know getting to that wingsuit stage they just some people try to hop and pop to get to 200 and what's i mean you'll learn some canopy flying but you're not going to learn how to fly your body and uh <coughs> yeah 
I mean, that's Spaceland do a, a mentoring program, don't they? Do they still do that? Yeah, we still do that. And I, I think that program is expanding. But, you know, I, I definitely love what you're saying. And one of the things that that you emphasized is is it's a minimum. 200 is a minimum, which means yeah. that's the minimum. You should have more <coughs> things going on. I, I yeah. say about ratings, if you come in with a minimum, you'll take away the minimum. Come in with more experience and you'll take more experience away. Yeah. That's it. I totally agree with that. Yeah. And it's, uh, but at the same time, I see people come in with a minimum experience, and you're that example. If you want to do it, get get coaching, get somebody to help you, get somebody yeah. to guide you. And you you were studied. It, it, I joke around and say you're a nerd. You're not <laughs> a nerd. You're passionate yeah. as fuck about wingsuiting. You would land and look at these videos, or and, and more particular the the fly site. Well, you were trying to yeah. explain to me what you were doing with uh, passes and like yeah. building up and stalling. I understood what you yeah. were saying, but until as things have grown, you, you introduced me to these ideas. Yeah. Like the fly sight. So as soon as I started using a tracking suit, I used a fly sight. So these fly sights are a, a portable GPS unit that um, give you real-time feedback. Uh, the new versions can actually talk to you now. So you can set your own voices in there, which is pretty cool because you can use them as markers. I know you can, like, upload your own files, because I had, like, Samuel L. Jackson <coughs> saying, thousand foot, motherfucker. <laughs> That's yeah. what I want. Well, you can totally have that. You can totally do that. Um, but the best thing about these these fly sites is I used it for um, when I was doing solo tracking jumps, and it's telling me my glide ratio in my ear consistently every three seconds. So I can tell whether I'm gliding or I'm falling out of the sky. And so with the tracking suit, I really found that um, I had to go pretty quick for it to actually give me some any any glide out of the actual thing. So <clears throat> that's when it really sort of hit me, like all this to study aerodynamics and gliders, you know, because that's essentially all wingsuiters and tracking suiters are. We're just gliders. We, we're non-propelled, falling like crap bricks, basically. <laughs> with, Smallest with a bit wing, of wing slider. Yeah. <clears throat> pretty much. So when I studied that, it was just like speed equals lift. And it's just a no brainer after that. Like once you experience, um, and it's in a tracking suit and wingsuit building up ridiculous amounts of speed and getting lift out of that and just holding and finding with the fly sight, holding glide ratio. So if, if I'm gliding and I think I'm at my best glide ratio, so what I can do with the, with the fly sight, so I can hold a position and it can be going like 2.1, 2.1. 2.1 and then I'll change something in my body and it goes two, two. Oh shit, that's less efficient. I can go back to this, Damn. hold it, 2.1, 2.1. And then I change my shoulders, I roll my shoulders up for tracking, 2.3, 2.3, 2.4, 2.4, 2.4. And then I found uh, a really good glide. So I pitch, get down, get up, and then start where I left off that last jump, 2.4, 2.4, and then just try to change slight things to get yeah. even more out of it. And that's what I do sort of with my race suits and stuff as well. So what do you <coughs> get for your flattest glide like that you can sustain <coughs> with both the t with tracking suit and your wingsuit? <sighs> tracking suit, it's been a long time, so I, I'd be very inaccurate guessing. Okay. Um, what my, would, yeah. Do you my, remember any numbers from that at all? Yeah, I remember cracking at least a two. 2.5s okay um but that was that wasn't very the jumps weren't very long um because i was going so quick like i dive down and then hold it hold it hold it hold it uh with a wingsuit uh it depends on the winds 
um, because if you've got a heavy wind behind you, you can hold a much higher glide ratio <clears throat> because you're already going that speed, you know, sorry. Um, yeah, sorry. No, I'm belching <coughs> for real. Yeah. So it's, um, yeah, so basically I think I can hold like a 4.5 consistently Jesus. in a wingsuit. Yeah. Dang, That's crazy man. to think about. Yeah. So uh, when you say the fly side talks to you, yeah, is it? I've only really seen the fly side mounted on the back of somebody's helmet, mm-hmm. a little square. Yep. So is that what's still producing the noise, or is it connected to like an audible of some so sort? So what happens in the back of the fly side? They got an audio jack, and you just put headphones in. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Does yeah. it? Uh, so, are you using audible altimeters then still? I am also. So in my right ear, I've got my fly sight. And in my left ear, I've got my ditter. Cool. And my ditter's usually turned to flat out as high as it goes, annoying. So, yeah, so I can hear it over my fly sight. I've, I've jumped with music in one ear and on, and the other one open for an, for an audible. Yeah. So How did I, that go? It's great. It's fine, isn't it? I mean, it? I pause it under, under canopy. The moment my parachute opens, I turn the music off. Yeah. And I wouldn't recommend that anyone with less than a few, you know. you got to have a lot of experience to be able to... Yeah, it's a lot to of let stimulation. Your brain do that, yeah. It it is a lot of stimulation to have something like that. But even. I, I actually use it more often on jumps where I know I'm gonna be pretty nervous, like especially nervous in free fall. Yeah. Because I feel like hearing the tempo of the music, the speed of the music, yeah, keeps me in tune with how fast time is really moving. Yeah, right. So you don't get like jacked out of your brain and lose you know that's crazy. Lose it a little bit. Yeah. So that's having crazy. something like, like hip hop or dub something with a, a really good solid beat. I think it keeps my brain a little more uh, normal speed. That's awesome. I had never even thought about doing that. See, I listen to Eminem when I listen to shit in free fall or uh, head PE. There's a song called Swan Dive. There's nothing like Swan Dive into an ass into the asphalt. And then you listen to uh, Free Fallen by Tom Petty. Uh, no, uh, that song hurts me, man. <laughs> That's I love I love Tom Petty. That song I, res- I that I've heard that song so many times on tandem videos. I cannot take it ever again you mean free bowling that's uh hey he died recently don't disrespect no, that sorry <laughs> I'm just free kidding. bowling i mean i've never sung that song correctly in my entire life it's always I, free bowling i don't blame you man <laughs> so you eventually you you chase this dream at spaceland on the all you can jump package and this dream is, is to get competitive with wingsuiting and yeah that's correct so at some point you take off to go to Wow, is that what it was? Uh, the first competition I went was the UK Nationals. So okay. I'd been training. I'd done my free flying. So I'd done about 328 to 330 free fly jumps. And then I'd, so yeah, so I started converting all my free fly knowledge into wingsuiting. And that's when I started using the fly sight, the graphs, and then realizing, wow, there's something to this free fly and wingsuit combination that before... I just didn't have that bodily awareness in the wingsuit. Like I just hold a position and hope for the best. You know, that's all it was. And with the free flying, I can tell how the wind's affecting my body, my my wing, and how how everything's affecting each other. You know, I can tell when I'm flying whether my, one of my wrists is up and I don't even know it just in just by the sound of the fly sight. I know what's going on. I know what to adjust. It's totally bizarre. It, it really is. You're flying nonstop with this, like, audible in your ear now is the, of the fly side of it telling I, you what to do? I don't jump without it. It's the best training tool that you can get for solos. Dude, uh, so w- I was trying to move the conversation on for one second, but yeah. I'm glad you bring it back here because 
I've been looking at getting a fly site. We did a tracking competition at Spaceland. And yeah, we put fly that. sights on everybody. Yeah. And then I took all this data. I, I found out what everybody's wings loading were the best I could. I found mm. out people's jump experience. So I found out what the average person with this many jumps would track glide ratio, what this average person would, how much distant people, distance people cover on a track. So when we talk about break-off and safety day and stuff, we actually have statistics to prove it. Yeah. It, it, it's an, an amazing device. How much... I, I never got one. How much do they fucking cost? Uh, I think um, you can get them for like 250 bucks on Shooting Star, or you can get them fairly cheap through one of my other sponsors. He's uh, in Australia. So if you're in Australia, go to Meloft. He'll sort you out. <laughs> bit of... Bit of a, a bit of love for the homies, bit dude. Bit of love out there. Dude, I don't think he's just a sponsor. I think he was more of a homie. Yeah, he was. also turned into a sponsor. Yeah, that's true. It's that uh, also correct. Dude, there ain't nothing wrong with having a brother, uh, supporting a brother. Like sponsors mm-hmm. in general, man. We are a very poor sport. <laughs> we don't make a lot of money, and, and people yeah. who are willing to help us out. Mo- most sports and most industries, if you get sponsored, they fucking pay you. Yeah. Our sport doesn't even pay no. us. We're lucky if it's free. It's usually a discount. Mm-hmm. That's correct. And, and there's nothing wrong with, with getting that little bit of love because back to oh. you don't make shit for a living skydiving. That's right. That's correct. Um, Miloft, you guys definitely have always, always shown love. What's his name? Yeah. Uh, what you'll find uh, with the the name of the owner. Yeah. Um, I can't tell you right now. Yeah, it's fine. Secret. That's fine with me then. If you can't if you can't say it out loud, but I definitely want to let you give love to your boys out there. Yeah. Um, now you've gotten into uh, competitive. Why did you go? So when you went to the UK, could you represent anybody? Were you just no. competing as a guest? So period? I wanted to because I wasn't in Australia when the nationals were for Australia was on. The only way for me to qualify for worlds was to prove that I could uh, do well internationally. And uh, so I knew the UK was holding a. Uh, the UK Nationals, but it was also like a qualifying as well for the Worlds. Um, so I went in there and I'd only just started training with the fly site um, with my new big suits, new race suits, just trying to get everything together. And I went over there and I think there was, it was crazy. It was the biggest competition I've ever been to. It was like 50 to 60 wingsuiters. It was crazy. 50 to 60, like in one How place. many were not UK? How many were not British? A lot. It was it was like there was everyone from all over the world because it was a world qualifier. Well, yes, but this this particular drop zone it's on military, um, like a military base, and there's you, it's impossible to land off, so it's so fun. So everyone comes to this place because you can just go ape, and like no one's no one's going to care where you land, so you just go for it. You just have that. It's yeah. just a good time. Yeah, so I managed to do well there. I got sixth out of like 50 or 60 wingsuits. I forget the exact number. So I did well there. And then I tried to, um, you know, tell the Australian Parachute Federation or whatever just to try to get it, find a way to backdoor to get into the Worlds mm-hmm. because, um, yeah, I wanted to compete on a world stage and that was my goal. But, uh, yeah, it just wasn't meant to be. Yeah. Well, yet. Yet, yes. Yeah. This is redemption. Dude, oh this my. This year is redemption. God, I'm so fucking happy to see <laughs> you. In general, because I see you, but we're about to get to one of the reasons you're visiting America. Yep. And one of them is this wonderful young lady over here. Um, thanks for bringing him back. We'll blame Yvonne. <laughs> you're welcome. The other is in Vegas. Vegas, and we'll get to Vegas, baby. Yeah. Um, so you, you play six, dude. That's, 
one of the things I see people go in and do regularly, belly fly, free fly, whatever, is they say, we're not good enough to enter this competition, <clears throat> or we're not going to necessarily succeed at, at doing anything in this competition. How much did that first competition experience by itself, was that, wh- how much was that worth to you? Uh, it was in, invaluable. Like, really, it was insane, because that just, you know, my confidence got up, and then once you know what the competition's all about you've been through it you know what to expect and like i feel if you're going to get all this experience and not go on a competition you're still going to be not prepared enough until you've done a competition really um i i would say go in competition and see how you like it see if you even like competing you know there's train a little bit you know get to where you feel sort of half comfortable and go in you know like not dangerously but I'm I'm curious. I've been in a few competitions in my life, not not m- many, but uh, na- at nationals, every load I've ever been on at nationals, it's the most solemn, <laughs> quiet, focused place in the world. Now these people have dedicated a lot of time to be here, so I understand yeah. and respect that, and uh, I I enjoyed that experience to be with them. How is a load of wingsuiters in the UK doing? Uh, well, there's a lot of people freaking out. Um, I don't know why this happens, but wingsuiting in general on big scale events tends to bring a lot of freak outs. Like there's a lot of people that are just so nervous because they're obviously jumping these high performance suits and you just see a lot of people just freaking out on the plane. It's bizarre. Define freaking out on the plane. Like just like jeering, moving around, just won't move. And he's like nearly popping his, um, okay you know, popping other people's rigs open and stuff, just extreme. And then other people are like, oh, my God, my jump runs now, jump runs now, jump. And it's completely not jump run. <laughs> just like weird things are going on. I don't know what happens. They freak out. So I, I'm sort of a meditator. So I just like sit there and I just breathe and just, I'm just got my eyes closed until someone taps me and says, it's your go, you idiot. <laughs> or something like that. Do you, do you think some of these people are jumping suits like <clears throat> in a competition that they aren't current on or haven't haven't put much time into? I think. Or do you think they're just not prepared to be jumping that suit at that event? Uh, I definitely know there's a lot of Russians that are pretty crazy when it comes to exi- <laughs> when it comes to exiting aircraft. Um, yeah, they always seem to come really close to the wing. So what do you mean crazy when exiting the aircraft? Oh, they just open up and just trying to hit the wing, really. They fly right away. Yeah, just flying. I mean, it's uh, so a lot of our listeners, uh, first of all, we we have a small handful of listeners. I I shared with Nick a story this weekend that I was blown away. Some college girl, uh, one of our jumpers, Shelby, one of her college classmates who's a total wuffo told her about this show and she'd asked her, how did you find out about these guys? I jump with them. Mm-hmm. And uh, she just found us through iTunes. So we do have a, a small handful of wuffos, but also a lot of skydivers who know nothing about flying a wingsuit. Yeah. When we, you leave, you don't just open up? No. <laughs> no, you don't. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, okay. So the reason you don't open up is because you got wings and they're depending on... Uh, who the pilot is, if the pilot is educated in, like, wingsuit jump runs, they don't have a lot of prop blast. Like, there's zero to no, no prop blast. But other guys in the competitions and stuff, there seems to be a lot of prop blast. So when you come out open-winged, it's going to blast you into the into the back of the wing. So there's, there's a few different ways you can exit. You can, like, exit as, as if you're going to belly flop or if anyone's done any angles on their stomach... When you exit, it's the same, like you're already angled out down. 
you know, you're sort of trying to, you're trying to go down first, always down first. Um, a lot of the guys, if you're learning, you get taught to hold your wings in yeah. for three seconds until the plane's gone and then open up. More advanced guys can get away with uh, opening up a little bit quicker, but, you know, you never want to be risking the pilot's life, everyone else's life in the aircraft just because you want to open up quicker. Like, it's just bizarre to me. Like, That's the real we- reason we put wingsuiters out last. <laughs> we don't want to be on the plane <laughs> you know, you know take it down. You know what's so crazy? Um, when I was first started jumping wingsuits at Spaceland, I noticed your pilots don't have parachutes. Um, in Australia, they all, like every pilot I ever had does. And so that really made me think about the pilot a lot more. And I never used to do any of my race exits at Spaceland ever just because uh, they, your pilot doesn't have a parachute. Man, think about that for one second, dude. It's respect of the guy in the plane who doesn't have a parachute. People go out of an airplane <coughs> in a haphazard manner all the fucking time. It's crazy. And, and you are legitimately threatening somebody else's life, not just your own. If you want to go yeah. kill yourself, go kill yourself. But don't kill my homies on the way down. We actually had Rabbit on recently, which, oh. dude, yeah. that was a blast. He <laughs> will be back. And, yeah, uh, dead set. Man, well, it was super fun having <laughs> Rabbit on. Dude. <laughs> He uh, he is so misunderstood at times. He hung out here till one o'clock in the morning that night, uh, <laughs> finishing that bottle of scotch we had. Oh and it God. was a three quarter full bottle when we started. Oh no! Oh, speaking of which, <laughs> um, yeah, have at it. And he also today we went to ramen and he bought me a new bottle of scotch. So uh, what a gentleman! Oh, dude, definitely. So um, I actually learned the hard, not the hard way. I learned the almost hard way. I actually opened up on a wingsuit. And saw myself above the plane after I passed the tail. And I actually saw the tail. And I wasn't close yeah. enough that it was like freaked me out, but it was close enough to go, okay, I fucked up. Yeah. I learned my lesson, man. So there's some crazy Russians out there yeah. in nationals. They're just, they're opening up whenever yeah. you want. But to answer your question now, yes, uh, there are some guys that I believe should practice a lot more in those larger size wingsuits before they start competing in them because i mean competition you're pretty much doing the <coughs> same thing that you did in training right yeah now there are just other people doing it that's exactly and right you're measuring so, everyone right well the way i approach uh yeah you just it's a big measuring competition at the end, really. <laughs> how big so, is it mine's yeah. longer than yours a <laughs> <laughs> wing shooting my tail damn. mine went faster <laughs> that's a cute tail <laughs> but um honestly i believe uh You've already won or lost the competition before you've gotten there just because of your training. Uh, so the day you you go to do the competition, that's just the fun part to me. Um, so that's just the way I go about training. It's all like consistency, like just smashing out, just doing as much as you can, like getting extra jumps in, crunching extra data. Like the extra jump in you get every day is an extra jump that no one else is getting. So you've... and. You know, that little bit of reading that you're doing, educating yourself consistently. Like, if you stop reading books or whatever, someone else is reading and they're learning. But I thought it was just all about jumping out of airplanes <laughs> and being gnarly, bro. Is that not what it's like? Wingsuits I'm gonna do get some all the flips chicks. and shit. Yeah. Yeah. Wingsuits get all the chicks. Free flyers, well, they're, you know, they're badasses, but they don't get the chicks, do they? No, definitely not. <laughs> I mean, you tell a chick at a drop zone, like a full woofer going for a... Gone for a tandem. Oh, yeah, I'm a wingsuit. Check <laughs> See, this out. I actually <laughs> wanted to ask you this question because when when someone who doesn't skydive 
finds out that I skydive, I get asked two questions. One, do I take people like on, on tandems? Yeah. And two, if I fly a wingsuit. Do you fly them wing and, things? And I say no to both of those because I don't do <laughs> that. So when well, you what do you do? Do you just fly straight down? <laughs> no, I, is that what you do? I don't think it makes sense to them after that because it's the only two things they see on TV, you know? You can't yeah. skydive. So, so what's the next question? When someone says, oh, you fly one of them squirrel suits? And you say yes. What do they ask next? What's it feel like? Do you go down them cliffs? <laughs> it's like, nah, no, that's a different spot altogether, buddy. That's base jumping. So that's the next one. Do you fly down those cliffs real real close like? It's like, no. <laughs> you have a pretty good southern accent. <laughs> and why do you always go to Texas accent when you go to Stupid? Because he lived in Texas and did a lot of skydiving here, okay? People in Australia don't ask this fucking question? Uh... Yeah, they do. I might. Okay. You fly down those fucking cliffs, eh? You dick me later. Oh, do you go fly down those bloody cliffs? Oh, do, you, do those trees hit you in the nuts sometimes? Do you hit things? It's like, no, mate. Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, you can get close. Uh, like, oh, crikey, it's a tree. Oh, well, what? You just jump out of a plane out of a wingsuit? And it's like, yeah. Well, what's the point in that? It's like, to fly. Oh, it sounds boring, isn't it? Like, how long are you up there? Up there for an hour? It's like, no. Like, two to three minutes, bro. Like, it's all it takes. And wingsuiting, too. God, I love hearing this stupid fucking sequence of questions oh. because it's like... My God. It's it's so crazy to me, like, how misunderstood skydiving is by, by people who haven't done it, you know? That well, they have this mental image of what these things must be like, and it's usually pretty far off from reality. It is very far off. And I was at the tunnel in Utah last week, um, just refreshing up on my tunnel skills and free fly skills. And I got told this one story from a chick. She was like, uh, how long do you wingsuiters stay up in the air for? Like, what's the longest flight, like record wise? And I'm like, oh, I don't really know, like specifically, but generally you can go anywhere between two and four minutes on a regular one. And like, I think the longest one's like eight to 10 minutes, maybe. I'm not sure. And she was like, oh, this guy was chatting me up at the bar and he said he did this really long wingsuit jump for an hour and he was so exhausted. And I'm like, are you serious? Like getting back to the people that have no idea of these things, you know, thinking that an hour is plausible, you know, it's... I hope crazy. she banged that guy because he was she full did. of shit. She did. <laughs> awesome. And the yes. thing is, God. like, this guy got laid and he's probably... Just like some dude that lives in his mom's basement. He had no, no, no experience idea. at all. Yeah. No idea. Dude, it's, uh, I, I love the Wuffo world. If you ever, <laughs> one of the things I see skydivers do regularly is engage in the skydiving conversation right away. And I'll encourage every skydiver listening to this. If you're ever in public and somebody in the group says, I skydive, and you don't know them, don't say a word about you skydiving. <laughs> Just ask intelligent questions and see what kind of ass they make of themselves. Because yeah. I've, I've, I've done it several times. Oh, you skydive. Where do you skydive at? Yeah. What kind of parachute do you jump? I never tell them. I never call them out. I never embarrass them. <laughs> yeah. I just enjoy every bit oh, of it, gosh. dude. i got to start doing that. It's fucking fat. And you can tell who's done a tandem and has the right words and who's just straight full of shit. Yeah. Have you... Do you remember the guy that rocked up at Spaceland and wanted to take his daughter for a tandem? Like, he just wanted to wear the tandem parachute and take his daughter? No. And he thought that was completely normal? The guy's awesome. For his Did first you remember jump. that guy? I, I wasn't there when it happened, but I remember hearing the story. Yeah. I don't oh know my the God. What? Share. Yeah, I thought that was the deal. You show up, you pay money, you rent the parachute, and he ta- he's, the, he's the tandem. He wanted to take his daughter because he said, uh, is one of you, one of you guys going to 
tell me how to like pull the cord or whatever because I'm I'm just going to take my daughter for a for a skydive. He's fucking bogan, isn't he? Ah, uh, he must have been, like, dude. He, American bogan. He was definitely. Uh, I thought he was a truck driver. Like, <laughs> he looked like a truck driver. Are you saying that is the redneckest of redneck Americans? Yes. Uh, yeah. I've got quite a few friends who are truck drivers, a, yeah. a handful of friends, and <laughs> so I do can't I. disagree. So do I. I can't disagree yeah, I've got all. Australian truck driving friends, and they are no different. I can tell you that right uh, now. They're the most bogan of bogans. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, they wear, in Australia, you've got these uh, pants called stubbies, and they're just, like, short blue pants that your you, balls pop out the bottom you of. You wear stubbies with your pluggers, yeah, do you? Yeah, stubbies, <laughs> stubbies, pluggers, and a wife beater. A wife beater. Do like we a, say that here? We, we know what wife, wife beaters beater. are. Yeah, yeah. This is Texas. We hit women, okay? Yeah, okay. Uh, it's a white fine. version of what you're wearing tonight, <laughs> Mr. P. Yeah. Yeah. It's a wife beater. I actually worried a little bit about wearing this tank top. I was like, is it look like I'm wearing a fucking bra right now? No, because it's a, that's not that, what's going on. Legit, if that was blue, that's a wife beater. So Yours are blue? Ours are blue. Oh, yeah. Ours are white. Yeah, no. You got to be blue. Like what kind of blue? Royal blue? Uh, Baby blue? Yeah, like a royal blue. A dead set royal blue. And that's a, that's a conditioned wife beater. God, Good to go. To... Blood stains. I you don't... can't even see them. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <Dude>. <laughs> That's just blue wife beaters. Yeah, look it up. Look it up. No, I'm not lying. I, well, I mean, you, I'm looking but... up wife beaters. I'm seeing a bunch of white tank oh, tops here. That's because you're an American Google. Google Australia, Australian wife beaters. Yeah. Man, while you're Googling that, I am going to take one second. They're dude. fucking blue. They're blue. Dude, I, uh, I, I, I got to take one last plug, one last second to throw out there, man. We have worked really hard on the film festival. Um, we've put together a lot, a lot of really cool things. This Saturday night, October 14th, is the film festival at Spaceland Dallas, Spaceland Houston. I've so badly wanted to throw one of these. And uh, <laughs> we got to see some of our first footage. Uh, did you see any of the ones that people have showed that you heard of from? No. I mean, uh, Glenn gave me his. Brockton was passing me off his. Uh, I haven't watched either one of them yet. Okay. I've seen Blair working on his. <laughs> it's, it's fun, man. It's fun to see people... <laughs> Just just doing it, you know, it's great. Dude, it's super cool. I've but actually I, I haven't seen anyone's finished product yet. I've seen Glenn's. I've seen... Um, oh, you've seen Glenn's? Yeah. Oh, okay. I've mm. seen... Uh, what's his name? Uh, Larry Hack. Um, I've watched a few others, and I'm, dude, really excited. It, it, I'm impressed with the job a lot of people are doing. And uh, today, I actually had a little errand to run, and I picked up something for the film festival. You helped me actually move it for Yvonne. Ah, yes. So, yes. Mr. P, did you see what's sitting in the corner next to me? I see that giant keg over there, and it looked heavy. It is a fucking keg of Shiner. I, uh, I don't drink beer. I don't drink often in general. And if I'm going to drink, it's not going to be Bud Light. Sorry to my Bud Light friends at homies. <laughs> yeah, you only drink Bud Light Lime, right? Uh, for <laughs> sure. I actually saw... Bud I tried Light Lime and an O'Doul's? They didn't have kegs of chelada, so I <laughs> was fucked on that, dude. I thought Tex would be like, dude, a keg of chelada, I'm in, motherfucker. Nope. Nope. No. Um, so we will have a keg of Shiner. Uh, Dallas, I don't know what kind of keg Ben bought. I hope he's not a pussy. Uh, but dude, it's an IPA if Ben got it. Dude, Ben's got a kick going on up there. Uh, we got a shitload, and you can see a 150 Gravity Lab sticker sitting in front of you. Damn. Ben got a bunch of those as well I at did Dallas. See those. To start throwing those out. Dude, if you please, if you take one, wear one, do it's something. It's going on, on my please. helmet. Fuck, thank you so much, dude. Yeah. I, I really appreciate the support. Um, dude, this, this Saturday, if you haven't got your video in, we've <clears> extended that deadline. It's It's been a, a, a juggling call. Let myself, Nick, Charity, whoever it is you know, uh, get your videos in and, and have some fun. Uh, Blue Skies Magazine added a subscription, a year subscription uh, magazine to the, to the local winners. You know, when Ooh. I saw that GoPro had upped the ante <clears throat> and offered a GoPro 6, yeah, 
I almost started editing a video right then. Um, <laughs> you're not qualified. You know I've what? actually had people ask me, is Nick Lott eligible? And I actually <laughs> made a rule without telling you, Nick Lott's not eligible because people wouldn't fucking enter no if you were eligible. Would. Yeah, they would. Yeah, um, but you're just like, you do the king, dude. So Infinity... Oh, I appreciate that. I don't know if that's true. Every time, every time someone else makes a video... And I watch it, and I like it. I'm like, fuck, I'm not even good at this. <laughs> the owner of Infinity Rigs, Vossi Sports Equipment, sent me an email back saying the promo is going to win. Um, it's a good video. Dude, it's one of my favorites. I watched it last <laughs> I night. I learned some new tricks for that video. Yes, you did, buddy. <laughs> yes, you did. Um, so Nick Lott will never be eligible for this contest. That's fucking bullshit. Because <laughs> yeah. all I'm going to do, all I'm going to do is I'm going to make a video, I'm going to give it to my stupid tiny girlfriend and be like, hey, sweetheart, I need you to use your name to enter this contest for me. And she's going to win. I'll, she's, I'll put my hand up for that. Like, yes. <laughs> and I'll give you kisses, too. Oh, yes. <laughs> she's Asian. I'll believe she has mad editing skills, so you can fool us. Oh, hero <laughs> computer. Dude, Adam, Buck, uh, Adam Schmucker from SSK actually saw the video and... Uh, Next year, they're going to get involved and they're going to help us out. So I don't know if we're going to do this again. I hope you're willing to. Um, the goal is to do this more than once. This is the inaugural. I'd like to do this yearly. So uh, I we'll think it's see a really it fun idea. Like, you know what? It's, it's bringing a lot of people together and you're just like having a party. Yeah. I, I really do hope it's Pretty like much. a party. Like, I hope a bunch of people show up, yeah. hang out. Just That's what Devon it. said. Like, there's going to be a hell of a lot of people at Spaceland, beer and everything. And I'm like, Whatever, beer, videos, people, bunch of sick cunts, eh? Yeah, yeah. I don't. I feel bad. I feel like I shouldn't say that on this. <laughs> what what cunt? cunt? Bunch of sick cunts, eh? Dude, I am a huge <laughs> like if advocate ever, of the if, word cunt. If you ever want to say it in the nicest way possible, it's like you're a sick cunt, eh? Like, it's got to be one word. Sick cunt. No, you're a sick cunt, eh? Sick, sick cunt, cunt, eh? You're a sick cunt, eh? <laughs> like, that's the way to say it. Dude, why can't? Why can we call a dude a cock a dick? Or whatever else version of the fucking penis that we can, but we can't call somebody a cunt when because they're Because we like live in a sexist society. Yes. Yvonne, you, you won't be on camera, but is it okay we use that word if it's appropriate to the person? Uh, that's, that's hard for me to answer because I'm dating an Aussie. <laughs> that's, that's fair. Yeah. She says she can't answer because she's dating an Aussie. And, and you've very well been desensitized to the word cunt dating this cunt, so <laughs> it, it is all good. You Americans say it's so funny. It's like quint. Cunt. Quint. Cunt. Quint. Cunt. cunt. Can't. Dude, can't. earlier like N, can. earlier you said Australian <laughs> accent. You leave off as few words as possible. Yeah. And a lot of my American friends cannot tell the difference between a British and an Australian accent. And British talk like this. If you like sound they full on talk like this, go down the shop and get some fish and chips. If you sound I go like down the fucking to the local <laughs> and get some chips, can't. Like, <laughs> there's a totally difference. difference. Like, there's if, a big difference there. If you sound like you have a stick up your ass, you're yeah. from England. And if you sound laid back, you're probably Australian. And try it; it works. Well, if you pronounce your words correctly, you're English. If you <laughs> if you don't understand what they're saying, they're Australian. Like that's pretty much it. Like, oi, I'm going down to the survey to get a box of piss, cunt. You want to come with? Tell me. I'm jumping in the commo. Box of piss, cunt. Yeah, I'm jumping in the commo, and we're going down. Say the word British. <laughs> British. Okay, so British. Alex Dickerson actually taught me that Americans pronounce their T's as D's. We say British. British, yep. Yep. Yeah. And it's British. So if you want to sound like you're from fucking English, say British. British. And then get real lazy with it, British. And yeah. you start turning into an Aussie. So good night, yeah, mate. Yeah, British. Yeah. No, I say D, British. 
British. Yeah. That's what I was checking, the D or the yeah. T. No, it's definitely definitely putting in the D, mate. <laughs> so it's hey an American... Slipping in that D, what's <laughs> yeah. up? It's an, Austra- it's an English accent with an American emphasis. That's True. what Australian is. Mate, uh, call it what you will. <laughs> Apparently the Australian accent came from um, like the English going over to Australia as criminals, and then the, the people inhabiting... Um, Australia at the time were getting drunk and slurring their words, and it slowly turned into Australian. That's the, that's the well, uh, theory that I Well, it's music to me fucking ears, mate. Yeah, like, does this sound like I'm coming? Like, sounds like I'm a drunk British, right? That makes total fucking sense, yeah. man. Sounds like I'm a drunk British. Sounds well, like you had a few like pints yeah. of piss, mate. Sounds like I had a few fucking pints of piss, eh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you give me that kebab over there, I'm fucked. <laughs> Does this yeah. remind you? Are you having flashbacks from your trip to Australia? <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 So yeah. I used to drink fairly heavily, and now I don't drink any any real alcohol at all. Like, this is really good. You've been really good. nursing that fucking finger of uh, mate. scotch. Yeah. Don't be a cunt, mate. Fucking oh. bombs up. Bombs up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you got, who, who's got the better Australian accent here? Come on. Not me. I don't even have a. Let's hear it. He does. Uh, yeah. Dude, now I'm on right the on the spot. <laughs> Good day, mate. Come on. <laughs> all right, no, no. All right. So, all right, here we go. Going, I'm going down to the servo to get a box of piss. Going down to the servo to get a box of piss, mate. That's pretty good. Say it again for me. I'm going down to the servo to get a box of piss. You can't. I can't, right. dude. I'm going down. I, I don't have a... What is the servo? I'm going Ser- down to the servo. Gas station. Yeah. Service station. Servo. Gas station. So I'm I going... Will fuck you I'm up on a chink accent, though. Just yeah. saying. <laughs> so I'm going down to the servo to get a box of piss. A box of piss is a carton of beer. A beer, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So box full of piss. And you're going on your commo, which is a Commodore. It's like a... It's like your Holden or Chevy. It's like just like your standard Chevy. But is we, Holden the... Australian version of Chevy? That's correct. Okay. And Ford's the Australian version of Ford in America. <laughs> Just so you know. We can't fuck that one up. <laughs> I, in England, I think they have a different name for Ford. I can't remember. And the Bogans in Australia put Chevy badges on their Holdens. Dead serious. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Like, that's how you pick them out. There's like Chevy badge and you're like, wanker. It's <laughs> like they've actually put it out, like they've removed they've the removed, other. They've debadged their car and just wow. badged it with Chevy badges and you're like, you bloody wanker. You cunty little so bugger. So Holden is Chevy. Yeah, that's correct. What badge do they use then? Like a, like a circle and a tiger. Holden, H-O-L-D-E-N? Yep, Holden Motor Vehicles. They can't even keep the fucking bow tie. No. No, all right, fuck them. It's no class at all. It's just like, ah, oh, just put a bloody tiger. It looks tough. And you're calling the Bogans rednecks now. I mean, they're showing respect. Oh, mate, yeah, Bogans. <laughs> so you eventually transfer. Now we're going to get back to the... Oh, back to what we... Yeah. Yeah, you, your next competition after Nationals <clears throat> was what? Uh, they call it the Wide Open Wingsuit Series. So one of my friends, um, Joe, he sort of sent me a message over Facebook saying, hey, do you want to be part of this uh, Wide Open Wingsuit Series? And I was like, well, what's that all about? Because I'd only done the PPC for... Um, Paralog performance competitions, which is just like your time, distance, speed. And this one was different. Like what they were doing, they were just focusing on more natural flight. So they'd, he said, uh, it's like a four cross race. So you got four wingsuiters lined up. You got a fifth as a rabbit. And so you're flying along and there's a, they usually line up a road or something. And then he kicks his legs and then it's a race to the road to see who gets over the road the fastest. So it's like a, you're racing with like four other people like right next to you. It's pretty intense. 
Like it's, and I just found that series a lot of fun. So I went over to Chicago to, you know, do their first, um, one of their first events. So it was just open to the public. They're like, all right, we want to get some pretty good wingsuiters and we want to get some, um, like you just average guys as well. So we can all come together. And what, what we found out that happened is we were teaching, like everybody was just openly sharing information. And this was the so amazing. Like everyone's just openly sharing, oh, this is this is what I do and this is why I do it and that's how I beat you. And they're like, all right, well, how do, how do I change? And you're just sharing all this raw information that's not easily obtained these days in the racing sort of. It's usually just held to the more advanced wingsuit pilots and it started to get shared around as general information. And um, I think that's due to... A lot of the wingsuiters going into races actually base jump. And to make base jumping safer with a wingsuit pilot, you want them to go into that uh, environment as educated as possible. And for us doing events like this, it's like, it's a fun event. Like everyone just has a ball. Like I just feel like I'm going there to just chill with my homies and just like have a good, have a good time. It's not really a competition to me. I just go there for fun. And so I ended up doing pretty well there. I got, um, I got, actually, I blew out of my distance um, competition because I thought the window, I thought I'd gone through the, the end of the window and I'd won it. And actually, I'd only gone halfway and I still had my training ditter in to say, oh, yeah, dive for another practice. And that went off and I just thought I was finished. So halfway through this competition, there's like a guy trying to do maximum glide and I'm just like doing circles around him. <laughs> like just doing up and overs around him. And I'm like wondering what the hell is going on? And everyone's like looking at me weird. So I fly over to the next guy and I'm just like chilling with him, like trying to dock and he's like shaking me off. Like what the hell is going on here? And I get down to the ground and I'm like, what the hell are you doing, bro? And I was like, oh, fuck. And I just realized what happened. Rubbin's racing. Yeah, so I blew that opportunity. So I ended up getting uh, third in speed anyway, which is one of my weak points um, that I've been working on for a long time. But... Man, I love those competitions so much because of the, the open source information. Um, yeah. And then I ended up doing another one in uh, Kapowson. I did really well. This time I realized that I'd set my race ditters on in my fly site instead of my practice ones. And I ended up winning distance by a considerable amount. And I came nowhere in speed because we got little speed demons like uh, Keith Forsyth. He is just the man. He's just like so much natural talent in this one person that it's just crazy. It's just really good to see. And he like shares a lot of his information around too, which is just awesome. I can't, if you're a wingsuiter um, and you wanted to compete, I would say going into some of those competitions would be the most beneficial, the most fun environments you're going to find yourself in. Yeah. So you did two of those WOW events. Yeah, and I did uh, the, the championships as well where uh, a couple of the Red Bull athletes and Matt Gerties, Will Kiddo, and a couple of the guys were actually in it as well. And they, they sort of um, they took the podium spots, which was, you know, pretty much certain. But I did beat them in a few of the, a few of the uh, races leading up to the final race. So it's like um, you do two, 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 two uh work with four people in it so it starts as a big tree and it works it works its way down so i did like beat matt gerties and a couple of good dudes coming into the the squirrel guy right yeah so he's he's 
damn, he's such a nice guy. And he, he's every time I jump with him, I just have so much fun. But he's got so much talent and he just jumps so much. He's so current. And to beat him in something like that was just like, Ooh! and he's like, I didn't even know I beat him until like, because um, I was, I was like uh, a little bit in front, but I flared up and we flared together and it was just so close. We couldn't tell. So yeah, he just runs over to me. You beat me, you beat me. Woo! So yeah, it was just so good. That is one <coughs> thing about the wingsuit community that I have so much <coughs> respect for is we pride ourselves as skydivers as family we pride ourselves as skydivers as self-governing yeah and correcting our own issues and ain't no part of our community that i've actually seen it better than in this upcoming wingsuit community <coughs> early on it was just, oh, not very many wingsuiters so it wasn't the family orientation that it is today but mm. you guys are such a, an amazing community within our own community yeah it's um you know it, it really is something that you know, what I've found is after first flight courses, there's not much education after that. No. You know, you, you know you're just flying with your buddies, you're learning. And Matt Gerties and a few of the guys actually approached me and asked me to be part of this, um, this next level. It's like a coaching program. Mm -hmm. And it's just about like it's all it is about is just trying to give people like a properly structured way to continue learning um, after your first flight course. So... So you can learn anything from first flight course all the way up to advanced base jumping and racing like I do and like the other guys do on the top world-class level. So, I mean, what they've done with the syllabus in in this is they've gathered all the best wingsuiters and basically all the first, all the people that have been doing it from the start, like, um, you know, and then all the people that are racing now and we're just all come together brainstorming everything and just put together this unbelievable package and i'm actually taking it to australia um a week before australia day i'm getting about five or six of the u.s guys to come over and we're having a massive like um educational like wingsuit you can call it a boogie but it's more so skills camp maybe it's a skills camp it definitely is a skills camp and but it's not just one that's going to be boring like we we structure it in a way where it's continuous learning afterwards we give you like a list of things that you can continue doing for the next hundred jumps after yes. we've actually been there. So it's purposeful training. So we give you goals to sort of reach and achieve after you've actually done the training with us. You don't need to come back to us as quick because we want you to go out and we want you to go learn. Awesome. We want you to go, hey, this is what I've got to focus on for the next hundred jumps. And, or you could go 20, 30, 40, 50 jumps. You don't have to do a hundred jumps and come back and do it again to refresh and see where you're at again. Like, it's just amazing. I, I can't, you know, I can't talk it up enough. It's, yeah, it's unbelievable. Mr. Nick, if you, if you won't mind <coughs> looking up uh, next level and they're actually having a skills camp at Spaceland Dallas. Mr. Who? Soon. Mr. P. Thank you, yes. Mr. P, if you'll look up uh, Next Level Skills Camp at Spaceland Dallas yeah, that's correct. And, and share that on, on this feed because I've looked a little bit into Next Level and you guys are doing some really fucking great things to yeah. educate and grow the community. And, and A, I want to share my passion of what I do. B, I want to grow my passion to have more people to share it with because, yeah. you know, here we are. And I can't <coughs> believe I, you met him that the same time frame I did. 
holy fuck, has this guy become a badass or what? <laughs> and for those of not watching, I'm looking right at Yvonne right now, and, and she's watched him growing as well, and you've got to know him a little bit better than the rest of us have. She you, she held up this big of a finger about an inch <laughs> a little bit, so uh, that's all you got. I'm she's sorry. so crazy. She it, gives me so much credit. It's a lot smaller than that. <laughs> what am I looking Thank at you, on this event page? Thank you, um, Just I want you to share on uh, our feed, our Facebook feed, two yeah. two of them. The next level event at <coughs> Spaceland Dallas, just because Spaceland is, is such a super huge yeah. part of our family. And then I want to know more about this one back home in Australia because you're kind of the host because you're bringing it in, right? <coughs> Yeah, that's correct. And who are the who are the uh, coaches that you you guys are getting to bring in? Oh man, in? we're getting so many. We got uh, Matt Gerties, Will Kiddo, Noah Banson. Fuck. Um, we got Val Sobol. We got myself, Scotty Bob, and Jesus. forgive me if I forget anyone. Like we've got another person in there. I did forget. Um, oh my god, I feel so bad. Was it female? Um, no, I got Val. Okay, I'm trying. Man, dude, you just named. So I'm not. Super knowledgeable in the community, but those names you just—they are just badasses, like grand slam hitters. Like we could sell out an event with three of those guys, and we've just got the reason we've got so many is because we want to be able to divide a lot of guys up so that we can have smaller groups. Because when you got smaller groups, you can focus on the people a lot more, and you can give better feedback because you're not looking at such a large group of people. So. I mean, when I'm coaching on myself, like the biggest group I'll ever have is three people. Just because, you know, I can focus on three people a lot more than five or six. Unless we're just doing like a, like just flocking or something like that. If we're working on, you know, purposeful skills, I can only handle three people at a time to give them the best feedback, you know. And I, I started doing a, a little bit of unpaid coaching and stuff at Spaceland while I was there as well. And that was... That was just amazing. Like, it was a really good experience to, you know, just teach a lot of wingsuit skills there that not many people seem to have um, around space. And there wasn't really a big wingsuit scene when I arrived. Um, there was a few fun jumpers and stuff. And, you know, we did the first XRW jumps while we were there with Will and with uh, DQ, which is amazing. Like, they were my first XRW jumps as well. So it was really quite special. Like, I don't know. I remember driving up to Spaceland just today and I was like getting little butterflies because I don't know, I got I got a little special spot for this place in my my little black little heart over here. Dude, we have a for <laughs> sure huge spot <clears throat> in our place for you and it's called a tumor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> wow. That really took a little turn from the I'd sentimental to I'd the ex- monster. I didn't expect Nick to say something like that. But, hey, uh, go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I actually would expect me over Nick to say it every day of the week. Oh, but man. Yeah, that was rough. Apparently, you're the same. I really asshole. thought you were going to like meet him on the level of like a sentimental moment and be like, yeah, like I was thinking. <laughs> like It's really good to hear the people who travel around, like Mumphy, uh, uh, oh, Rob Mumphy. Hernandez. He was, he, he he was is, just here and oh shared a very similar sentiment. Yeah. And it's like people who, uh, you know, spend a significant amount of time here, fall in love with mm. it, even though they travel around other places. Yeah. It seems like for a lot of people, it just kind of has that home feel. Mumphy yeah. is a weapon. I had no idea, like, his Beast, skill man. level. Yeah. And as soon as I saw him around the DZ, like, you just take these people for granted that come around into Spaceland. Well, that's what I felt when I was on the package because so many people were there. Then you go and ju- take jumps with different people and you're like, this guy is an absolute badass mother 
motherfucker. Yeah, dude. And I should we- be doing a sh- as many jumps as possible with that as I can with this person while he is still here. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he's definitely one of those men. Well, he's a shredder, dude. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Rabbit and I were watching the trailer, the promo for the, the film festival today, and I realized that I think all of, if not the majority of that footage, was shot over Spaceland. And it's so many sick fucking flyers we're surrounded with. Well, that's the thing. That's what I was amazed with. And I keep telling people in Australia, like, about my time at Spaceland. I was like, honestly, this place is just filled full of shredders. Like, if you can't, if you can't find anyone to jump with that's going to make you a better flyer, you're not jumping in the, at, you know, like... You're an asshole. Exactly. That's <laughs> yeah. the nicest way to put it. You're a dick that can't get along with anyone, like... You shouldn't even be there. Spaceland's just like a family, basically. It's and by the way, if everybody you <clears throat> meet at Spaceland is a dick, you're the dick. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I have this experience every now and then where somebody tells me every it's soup. The whole drop zone's clicky. <clears throat> Everybody's a click. Nobody likes me. There's a good chance, not a guarantee, that you're <laughs> the dick because there are some really, really open, friendly people yeah. at Spaceland. No you know, doubt about I it. I think the people that get that impression are people who have learned somewhere else where <laughs> it wasn't cool to follow the rules or maybe they just didn't have a lot of rules. So then they do a bunch of, not stupid things, but a bunch of things that uh, people who didn't learn <clears throat> as thoroughly as we teach here, you know, they might, yeah. uh, someone landed off the arrow and they weren't fully <clears throat> geared up in the loading area and then they, you know, just, just didn't follow the rules. So now you have people who know the rules and care about the rules coming up to you saying, hey, uh, I know you did this, but next time can you do this? And if that you know happens a few times in a day, it probably starts to feel like people are bossing you around a little bit, right? I hear more of this, though, from people who were homegrown than I hear from visitors. Oh, really? Actually, our visitors, I regularly hear, and, and I guess it's hard for me to accept this next statement, but I have to accept this next statement. I'm a leader amongst some of the folks at Spaceland, and people come <laughs> to me regularly and tell me as a representative of Spaceland of their experiences at the drop zone. And I regularly hear from our guests that how polite people were. And when I made a mistake, people helped me, not re- reprimanded me. I hear more from the local jumpers about how clicky we are than I hear from, from, from the visitors. Yeah, right. Because I really do believe the majority of our friends at Spaceland will help you out. They, yeah. no, I, very few people make a mistake to be an asshole or be belligerent or be uh, nefarious. Most of them do it by like, uh, first time I met a guy named Frank, Francisco uh, Pizzazza, Frank Pizzazza. Mm-hmm. Um, he flew a right-handed pattern. I walked Mex up boy. to the dude, Mex boy. I flew up to the dude, um, I flew up to the dude and uh, said, hey, bro, did you know we only fly left-handed pattern? And he immediately was like, oh, my God, I'm a fucking asshole. I just flew a right-handed pattern. He was so polite, and he, he did it by accident, and he never had an issue with that again. Most people make these mistakes by truly, earnestly making those mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I still got the sticker on my laptop. Like, so good. Oh, oh good lord! <laughs> so we'll change that topic right away. For no, you. but yeah. I, I think that uh, the people who do a good job of having an open mind and uh, learning mentality, I think those people do really well. Especially, I, I guess yeah. I still have visiting jumpers in mind of like, oh, I'm going to go to a big drop zone and maybe I'll learn something new. Yeah, like if you approach Spaceland with that mentality, I don't think you're going to have your feelings hurt at all. But if you have that. Uh, Oh, I have 300 jumps and I fucking know everything there is to know about skydiving yeah. mentality. And someone tells you, hey, you uh, maybe should have done this thing differently. And you take offense to that and get really uh, butthurt about it. Then, yeah, you're <laughs> probably going to feel like it's not, uh, not the I, most welcoming thing. I think uh, the statement, Spaceland Spoilt, gets gets shot around there. Yeah. Like, honestly, like, 
Yvonne, like she went to a various different drop zones after Spaceland and she figured out that she has it well too good at Spaceland. Air-conditioned packing rooms, everyone's there to help you. You know, everyone knows by following all these rules that Spaceland has, it makes it like such a safe drop zone. Go to another drop zone, some people don't even know, um, you know, what wind speed and everything means and break-offs and all that sort of stuff, you know, like that. It's It's just one of the best put together drop zones that I've ever been to is like Spaceland, yeah. you know, it's everything's there. Like even your training facilities where you've got all your malfunction junction with uh, all your photos of the malfunctions, you've got like, like your cutoffs and like your, your emergency levers there and you just practice and you point to something and go, Oh, what would you do in this, uh, in this situation? And you're practicing, you know, you don't see that at every drop zone and the emergency aircraft, levers. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Uh, dude, like, oh, I'm so you fucking levers, mate. <laughs> mate, where are your levers at? Like, no, I've got, I use the steel ones and I call them levers instead of puds. So that's just my, that's. Touch your fucking handles, mate. Yeah, I call them levers. levers. They're not handles. Like, I, handles are something you just hold on to. Levers are something you pull. So you know how I play asshole student for a living? Yeah. I'm going to touch my levers from Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, touch your levers. I, I can't locate levers. my reserve lever. <laughs> what do you suggest I do? Use your cutoff lever first, <laughs> asshole. <laughs> I call mine levers. Like Thank you. Puds and levers. Takers are levers. Oh, my God. <laughs> I made a complete ass of myself by saying what I call them. Whatever. Uh, fuck it. We all knew what you meant. We're my just making fun of you for being stupid in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> dude, you made my... Duly noted. Dude, next time I do an AFF course, I'm going to touch my levers. No, I think, it's a, I think it's a fine word. Well, it's, <sighs> the reason I explain it like that is levers you pull, handles you hold. You know what I mean? Yeah, you got to hold on to them. Yeah. I suppose I did let go of my last set. Yeah, that's, that's an expensive <laughs> that's, move to that make. That sucks. Yeah, that's <laughs> then you got to order some new levers. Yeah. <laughs> what, 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 hey, Airdyne, I need some new levers. <laughs> yeah, call Airdyne and ask for some new levers. See what the <laughs> fuck shows up. <laughs> Oi, Airdyne. Oi, oh give God. me some new levers. <laughs> so you, you left. Oh, my God. I'm going <clears> to <throat> try to get back a little bit on track because we're pushing uh, 30 minutes left. Whoa. Um, we've been here just over an hour and a half. Really? That's yeah. so quick. Yeah, it's uh, it, it flies by, man. So you you leave here with those two <coughs> wow events under your belt, and you go back home to Aus Australia, 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 yeah. mate, Marka, and uh, for a while you actually did some <coughs> wuffo work, and we'll we'll skip the wuffo work. Yep. But you uh, jump as much as you can back home. Yeah. And compete, and that not not much, I don't think. Not a whole lot. I was just trying to get money back from being away, spending savings. You know, I spent the whole year just spending all my savings without working. So yeah. I'm not allowed to work on this visa and I strictly don't, you know, because I don't want to blow my chances of coming back here. Uh, dude, you were, uh, so. you definitely focused on the opportunity of learning. Mm. It, it's I've not seen many folks learn as hardcore. And I think Chantel and, and Simon did a great job learning as well. Yeah. And I think they definitely took the vacation learning path, which was, uh, that's the version I would probably take. Yeah. Uh, but you, Royce, uh, Glenn Downing, you motherfuckers yeah. are focused. Dude, Shuby and Flying a Canopy. Have you watched that boy swoop? Uh, I've been watching him be more serious about it. He's spending a lot more time over by the pond, for sure. He is definitely mm. uh, doing well for himself. I got mad, mad, mad shout outs to fucking Shuby, dude. <laughs> um, you guys were super focused. So when you get back to Australia, you eventually compete in Australian nationals. Is that did that happen? Yeah, that happened. So I was super uncurrent when I went to the Australian nationals, but 
saying that if I went like two or three days without wingsuiting at Spaceland, I felt uncurrent. So when I was competing at nationals, I hadn't wingsuited for about two or three months. So I got there and I did two or three days of wingsuiting and then I just felt like crap, to be honest, um, compared to what I was. And I, I still ended up doing really well. Like I busted the national distance record and so the first day it was pretty windy. So it was a perfect day to be busting every record possible. So um, my mate uh, Chris Burns had a, a smaller suit, which is obviously going to go faster than a bigger suit with more drag. So he took the speed record by, wow, I think it was only like five, six kilometers an hour. So that's all it, all it takes these days. So he did super well. I was super impressed. But I'd been, you know, we'd been working together since I got back from the US, trading ideas and all that sort of stuff about what I'd learned and everything. And for him to just take all that on a board, he's, his flying just increased so much. And, he's, and the new uh, Tony suit that he got as well, they called it the Nala. Is an experimental suit and yeah that really went well too but yeah so i got home hadn't jumped much just did a like a brief two-week uh like i'd call it just like a, a getting back into it and then went to compete and i just i for some reason i thought i was still going to win it and i i did like i had it won by the first day actually i was so far ahead and for the rest of it i just made sure that I, all I did was just enough to win, you know, like I didn't want to risk going too hard and doing something stupid or something like that. So I just cruised to the end, which um, I pretty much regret doing now. Um, I really should have. And that's something that I'm never going to do in a competition uh, because I, I think I should just always strive and just keep pushing through the whole competition to see how well I can actually do. And I don't know. But yeah, I, I still I took out the nationals, and that was that was still pretty cool. I mean, it's a hard argument to make, dude. I yeah. I'm sitting here protecting a lead where I'm gonna walk out with do, doing not only well but but first place. Yeah, and going like, what if I take a risk? And yeah. it, I mean, I can't I can't argue with either side of that coin. Yeah. I'm an MMA fan, and I watch what's called point fighters, guys who, when they're the champion, just win fights, no longer dominate fights. Yeah. And it's not as fun to watch, but goddamn, it's a respectful place to be that you Mm. have the discipline to control yourself in that. Because that's got to be the hardest part is the discipline and not to go, wow, right? Yeah. Well, I'm usually so chill. Like, the times that I'm like, woo, yeah, yeah, that's usually like... um, in the under canopy or when I'm practicing, not so much during competitions, to be honest. I'm I'm just really quiet, really chill. Don't really hear from me. I'm always at bed before eight. Everyone else is partying. So I don't know. I just think it's not the right time to be doing any of that stuff, you know. Just stay focused and yeah. do what you're trained to do. You don't blow it on the party in that night or If you train like, like a that. champion, perform like a champion... And when the competition's over, have yeah. at it, dude. Well, you just got to train harder than everyone else, really. I mean, that's what it comes down to. Yeah. So you you actually took first in nationals in Australia. Mm-hmm. Is that accurate? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Dude, <laughs> I mean, I that was so. It was unexpected. Like I'd only started wingsuiting a, a year before. Yeah. And the next year I'm winning nationals. It's pretty, pretty sweet. You know. Bad ass, <laughs> dude. Fucking congratulations, yeah. dude. That is. I remember watching you show up, and you were green. You you know yeah. you weren't fresh because you had three hundred some odd jumps. Yeah, 
but uh, just watching you grow as you were here was amazing. But now here you are. I mean, the Australian national <laughs> champion is how I oh. will say it. Or in the wingsuit community, the Australian national chump. Chump. Is what I'm known the as chump. the chump. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so that brings you back to America now. What are you doing here in America? Yeah, so I'm over here to train for the next two or three weeks until November. They got the FAI uh, World World Cup in wingsuits. So basically it's everyone the best in the world in the in, in uh, like the PPC format. So we just all come together in Vegas and we're just going to for three days just have at it and see who see who's been training the hardest and see who's the best. FAI for people who don't understand this is I'll never remember how to say it right. Federation <laughs> Aeronautical International. Yes, yes. the French goddamn assholes yeah, that are the, the bosses of all things aeronautical. And exactly. it's it's airplanes, it's everything including parachuting, and your national aero club or NAC has to sponsor you to compete there. Yes. So you're repping Australia. You're, you're representing repping. You're yeah. representing Australia at the world. This is world. FAI's World Cup. Yeah, it's the World Cup. So yeah, it's every second year. Then they got the they got the World Championships one year, the World Cup the next year. Yeah, so it, this is the World Cup. Yeah. It's only the second. It's uh, actually it's the second Worlds they've ever had in the wingsuits. What drop zone? Do you know what drop zone in Vegas is? Uh, it's this? Ferocity, I believe. It's a like a little yeah, little one eight two or something drop zone. They're putting a plane in there for us and a guy named Sammy. I can't think of his last name. Vassaville or whatever. Yeah, yeah, oh, Sammy. You sure it's not Davis Junior? <laughs> yeah, he owns Skydive TV. Yeah, oh, that's uh, guy. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. but that was a good bad joke. He's uh, a he's a character. <laughs> yeah, I, I've got to meet Sammy a little bit. He goes to PIA and does Skydive TV interviews there. Yeah, and, and does things at nationals. He's actually made uh, Skydive TV has been a super cool thing as far as mm. uh, video streaming at live events. I mean, yeah, it's been Vasilev. 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 It's actually really cool that he's doing that. You know, no one else is really doing anything like it. You know. Uh, it's really cool to have someone like come out and interview you and yeah. you know, you can actually get um you can actually see what's happening that day, you know. You don't have to wait wait till after and just guess what's been going on, you know. He puts on videos like in the afternoons and everything. And even during the day, like they've got um updated scoreboards and everything on big screens, you know. It it's it was pretty good. That's what he did for us in Nationals. I'm not sure what he did for you guys. Uh for our Nationals, I don't know how much he did. I this year is probably the most disconnected I've ever been. So for mm. Nationals almost every year I watch the scoreboard. I stay on the internet Omni score. I, I, I yeah. keep very close to track. And this year I had just a lot going on yeah. personally during the week of Nationals. And so I, I just completely disconnected but he does a lot of that including mm. one of my favorite parts is he does a lot of interviews you know kind of what gravity lab radio's purpose is is to get to know the skydivers and yeah and he does a really good job of bringing people in and saying hey sit down and talk to our folks at home watching yeah so i would yeah, recommend definitely. anything you see by skydive tv check them out i mean they're yeah. super cool um it's you know, with podcasting, we have Skydive Radio, we have Brian Germain doing casual chat, and they're both super cool things. I would check those out as well. Uh, so there's a few of us doing podcasts, but yeah. Skydive TV is the only thing of its type. Yeah. Um, Vegas, uh, I was curious. I actually forgot he had just opened up. I forgot he was in Vegas because every yeah. other DZ out there is more of a tandem operation where he actually yeah. caters to fun jumpers. Yeah, he does. Um, you see, I'm, I'm actually signed up to his Facebook page as well. So I see, like... Every Saturday or Sunday or something, there'll be fun jumpers go out and, yeah, do a few lobs. He's a, a dude, super nice dude. 
Jay Stokes and I. Jay Stokes is technically my competition, but he's also my mentor. He's the guy who is my, the guy who taught me to be an instructor, the guy who taught me to be an examiner, yeah. uh, the guy who owns a company similar to mine. He doesn't do canopy. He, d- he specializes in military and ratings. I specialize in ratings and canopy. Yeah, okay. Um, uh, a dude, absolutely, he's my fucking Yoda, dude. I, I got <laughs> nothing but love for Jay and would love to have him out here one day if he's in town. Um, he, uh, sh- him, him and I were working on doing a course with Sammy, uh, AFF yeah, course. Right. Uh, Jay couldn't do it. So they wanted me to come out and do it. And I just, I didn't have the time. I was already booked. Yeah. But dude, I, w- a lot of my friends asked me where to jump in Vegas. It's a great vacation destination and everything I've seen, uh, F Y R O S I T Y ferocity. I think I spelled yeah. that right. It sounds it sounds about right. Like it's yeah. it's oddly spelt. I remember looking at it going, oh, that's a bit weird, but Yeah. I would love to visit his D Z because as friendly as that fella is, dude, I bet you his D Z is just a fucking great place to be. F Y R O S I T Y. Sweet. So I was Ferocity. Yeah. I'm super cool, dude. So you're you're back in America. Where are you training for the next two weeks? Uh I'll be training here until the weather turns south. Yes. So as long as the weather stays good here, I'll stay here for another week. Um, but I do have to go to Paris. Um, What's going on in Paris? Uh, secret squirrel business. Ooh. So I, I go over um, and just try to jump with uh, some of the other next level guys and the squirrel guys and stuff like that as well while I'm over in the States. So I'll definitely have to go over there. And it's pretty much, I, th- I haven't planned where I'm staying yet in Vegas, so I might have to rent a car and drive from there. <laughs> Yo, if you're listening to this, if you hear this and you know a place in Vegas that our boy Luke Rogers can hang out, let <laughs> him know, man. I'm actually going to, I think I'm just going to tent on the drop zone, to be honest. It's going to be way easier. It's your style. Yeah. It's, it's, it's actually the way you trained. It is. So, <laughs> dude. That TP was epic. It is amazing to see everything you've done and everything you've become. And, and really, it's odd or it's sad to me because we've only scratched the surface of how you've done it. Yeah. Wait a minute. How he did it. I did it, it. How he did it? How I yeah, gone did was, it? That was Rob's tagline. Yeah, dude, he has uh, like 190 downloads. That episode already does. One of our most recent popular downloads, monthly, yeah. dude. He, uh, he, he, such an amazing dude. <laughs> um, it's amazing to see how you did it, did it over time. Um, yeah, we got about 15 minutes left, and I want to close out with some different thoughts and ideas. And one of the things is we've hit here and there a lot about how to get into wingsuiting and things that new wingsuiters should think about. Yeah. Um, I, I want to, like, I'm focused on, I want to become a wingsuiter and I'm, I'm a fresh skydiver. I got 25 jumps. I just got my A license. Yep. I want to think about how to take that path. And I also want to think about the path of like, I want to get into the world of competition. Yep. Um, by the way, Red Bull Aces, have you gotten an invite yet? I uh, have not got an official invite to Red Bull Aces, but I've been told that one may be coming my way. Oh, dude, Luke Aikens, uh, Luke is an amazing man. He's the <laughs> yeah. organizer for Red Bull Aces and the guy who jumped into a net without a fucking parachute. Maniac, my friend. Yeah. Um, dude, you'll probably never listen to this, but if you do, Luke Rogers, it, it's just a personality <laughs> you have to have around. But he can come in last place and you'll think he was worth having in your fucking competition. Yeah. Uh, bring Luke Rogers to you, man. He, he's an amazing dude. Yeah, I'm the guy that told you you missed the center of the net. Remember that? <laughs> Remember that? <laughs> oh man, it's ama- it's dude, it's amazing to listen to him talk. I I'm I'm looking forward to finding a day Luke Akins is in town and if he is, oh. I'm gonna try to convince him to come join yeah, us. Definitely. I don't know if he will. Um I think he will. I think I think he might if he's in town. Hey, if you ask him, if you keep that stocked, he probably will. 
Oh, dude, he, that Red Bull fridge? Yeah. Fuck yeah, dude. Actually, maybe he'll stock it for me. Yeah, hopefully. Oh, dude, you show up to an event with Luke Akins or Jeffro, yeah. and you cannot get a dude. I 12 Red Bulls a day is what I drink when I'm hanging out with those <laughs> motherfuckers, man. It's not. Oh. It's not you good for you, buddy. You don't need cocaine. <laughs> you just don't. So I want to get into wingsuiting. I'm going to do with 25 jumps. What, yep. like the, I know that's my goal. So I'm going to go do what? What, what, okay, uh, the fastest way to get into uh, wing seating, I would suggest, is get as much coaching as you can afford, basically. Um, you can go in, get some tunnel flying, get some, because tunnel flying is cheaper than skydiving, essentially, and it ups, ups your skills quicker. So I'd do a mixture of tunnel flying, I'd do a mixture of, uh, you know, getting in there, doing star crest, doing a lot of belly stuff to begin with, um, just until your skills are good enough to, you know, move on to bigger and better things, really. Like, you can't have a better, you know, you, you can't have too much experience, you know. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So you, you want to basically get really good at belly and be able to basically do anything you want in belly. So if you're approaching a formation, you want to be able to approach that, you know, the proper ways, you know, like coming in an amphitheater style, coming down, from the outside coming down, coming in level, then slotting in because that's all the same in wing seating. So you want to learn all these things while you're in belly so you're not learning too much when you convert or think about going to wing seating. So once you've got to that stage where you're sort of doing bigger ways in your bellies, you're having fun, you're doing that, you're getting as you're still getting as much coaching as possible, then you know, you want to start thinking about tracking a lot as well. Because not only does tracking help when you're breaking off from formations and things uh-huh. like that it converts over to the wingsuit as well. So you really want to do a, a fair few tracking jumps and you can get coaches and mentors in that as well. And it really does help a lot. So I, it's one thing I expected right away is the discussion of tracking <coughs> jumps. And, and I want to ask about that in a second because people regularly immediately go to tracking training, which I think is super beneficial. But uh, you emphasized at first really focusing on belly formation Definitely. skills. Definitely. Man, I don't... Ha- Nick, how many of our guests specialize in a discipline and have not recommended that? Uh, I would say exactly zero. And, and it doesn't yeah. matter whether they're talking about uh, um, the free-flying, belly-flying, uh, big ways, or whether they're talking about now wingsuiting. These things mm. are, are huge, man. And I'm going to uh, throw out a little love to my boy Raul. Raul has a, a big way camp coming up. Yeah. I have no clue when it is. But I actually signed up for this big way camp. <laughs> Dude, I don't do big ways, and I don't do big ways because I've been on 40 ways that are fucking Zulos that scared the shit out of me. And in my day and age growing up in the sport, big ways weren't as structured as they are today. Yeah. And now today they're so structured that I never got to learn this shit. So I'm actually <laughs> going on. I'm like, dude, why can't I, I... I watched him debrief. I actually sat in on part of his camp recently. And dude... Yeah. The shit you can learn from these coaches. <laughs> so get your belly skills down is the first thing you emphasize. Yep. The second thing is tracking jumps. And I'm going to throw out a, a buddy of ours. I don't think you've got to meet this fella yet, but fucking chill, dude. Super nice guy. Anthony Zerbonia. Have you met Anthony yet? The kid is what he's uh, also I met as? him at one of the WOWs events, yes. Dude, so you know how this guy's just easygoing. Yeah, he's super chill. He wears Macho Man Randy Savage fucking sunglasses. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you've noticed that I, about him. I love those sunnies. Dude, it's like, oh yeah. yeah. Like, he, he's got the, the fucking <laughs> Macho Man down. Yeah, I got so much respect for that, dude. Um, He's now actually a wingsuit coach at Spaceland Houston, running yeah. the wingsuit school. 
a lot of my friends think like, yo, bro, I'm going to hire Anthony as soon as I get 200 jumps. Yeah. Um, I don't know if he does what I'm about to suggest, but I bet money it's true. Can I, do you think it's plausible a good wingsuit coach? I could hire at 100 jumps to go ahead and start teaching me skills I need to know? See, that's exactly what I did. So the way I progressed uh, from tracking was I got a tracking coach. Uh, started doing tracking jumps and then I approached my local wingsuit guy um, who is now one of my best mates, uh, Chris Burns. So I approached Chris and I was like, hey, dude, I want to get into wingsuiting. What do you suggest? And he was tracking it. He was doing tracking suit jumps at the time and just converted into wingsuiting. So he just said, dude, what you need to do, buy a tracking suit. We'll do some tracking suit jumps. Once you learn how to do this, you can just keep doing this and it'll really give you a good sense of what wingsuiting is going to be like. So I did, since 80 jumps, I was doing coach jumps with a, with a, uh, with a wingsuit coach. So, Dude, tracking suits are an amazing thing to me because I, I don't know if these were the first tracking suits, but I remember the first tracking suits I saw were in the early 2000s, you yeah. know, like 02, 03 time frame. And do you know what those suits really were? And I'm not I'm not exaggerating. They were just tracksuit pants, like big rain tracksuit pants, right? They are big <laughs> rain pants, like fucking tracksuit, baggy-ass poncho-style pants with grommets punched in them for inlets. I mean, I think a lot of people still are making their own tracking suits as far as I believe in the base uh, yeah. society as well. And I think it's super good that they, they make them, but, man, these manufacturers have poured that extra technology into them, dude. If you're going to get serious, uh, buy it. Yeah, dead set. Um, I mean, I, I bought this. Uh, I just bought a two-piece to start with. I recommend everyone does. Um, but, you know, don't sort of progress. I would suggest just keep asking your coach, your wingsuit coach or whatever, uh, whoever's doing your coaching, preferably a wingsuit coach, um, you know, as you're progressing, if you're ready to make the next step and you got to really trust the coach that he knows what's, what's sort of best and you listen to him or her, you know, because they, they're going to have the best advice you can really get. And no one's ever going to just try to hold you back to hold you back. The reason people may say, no, you're not ready is because you need to learn more. You're not ready and you're going to, they just don't want to hurt you. They're trying to protect you, you know. The majority of coaches I know in skydiving have zero desire to hold you back or hurt you. As a yeah. matter of fact, most of us are in the sport to make you ex- like. I, I take no larger pleasure in the sport than to help my friends excel. I watched a homie yeah. of mine like he he he, I, he started as a friend, became somebody I coach, and just turned into a homie. Frank Chance, yeah. he drug water for the first time recently, dude, and I was <laughs> almost as happy as he was the first time he <laughs> drug water. And the most awesome part, he sent me a picture. He, October 8th, 2016, he has a video of him landing, a picture. He sent me a picture of him landing a 2.30 in his canopy course. Yeah. October 8th, 2017, he sent me the, the same day, those two pictures back to back, the video, the picture of him first dragging water. <laughs> he went yeah. from landing a 2.30 to dragging water on a Katana 135 because of yeah. focused coaching. Yeah. Um, I, I did actually see that, that video of him doing his, one of his first swoops. Dude, he is—he's in—he's—he's a—he's like you. He's a—he's hungry as fuck, is what it is. Yeah. He's a focused learner. So I want to ask you, fill in the blank here. Five good coach jumps. When I say good coach jumps. A good solid coach, not somebody who calls themselves a coach, but somebody who is a strong coach. Five good coach jumps equals how many jumps of learning by yourself? Oh, dude. 
<sighs> Honestly, like, you know, I could at least say 10 to 20. 10 to 20, 30, yeah. 50, 100? Right. It just depends who you are, what information, but honestly, a really good coach, like you can take away stuff that you can be working on for the next 30, 40 jumps as well, beyond that as well, you know, like they'll give you very informed information, very specific um, to your specific needs as well, you yeah. know, so it's invaluable really. I mean, man, like I, I really did take um, some good advice from Matt Gertie's and dead said that probably pushed me up 50 jumps almost instantaneously on the next jump. It was like a world's difference. I don't care what kind of coaching you're getting, wingsuiting, canopy, tunnel, <coughs> free yeah. fall, triathlon. It doesn't matter what industry or what sport you're involved in. If your coach isn't giving you something to work on for jumps or weeks or months yeah. to come, you're with the wrong coach. Yeah. First of all, like I don't think I've done you a service if I haven't given you skill sets to work on. And B, I don't want to pick up where we left off. I yeah. want to pick up at the next fucking level, yeah. dude. Correct. Um, so now that's how th that's some of the suggestions you have to get ready for wingsuiting. Obviously, a first flight course, a good first flight coach. Yeah, definitely. How long should just the ground session of a good first flight course? Like, so here's <coughs> kind of I want to frame this for people listening. I've seen folks do a first flight course in 20 minutes. I've seen it done in hours. Yeah. And I want people to hear this answer and recognize it. If you're sitting a first flight course that doesn't meet these kind of expectations, you might be in a suspect course. Yeah. Well, you know. And uh, you're playing footsies with me now. I am. It's quite. <laughs> i got to do this if I'm going to answer. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm just going to be looking in your eyes playing footsies. I can't do two things at once. But. Um, <laughs> wow. Um See, now I've lost my place. But I actually touched your testicle <laughs> on that. You did touch my testicle. But seriously, like a first flight course, the one I run, um, I've spent up to two, two and a half to three hours. And that's that's generally, you know, it seems like a long time, but I go over a lot of detailed information. It is a lot. It's just like when you go through your app, there's a lot of information that you need to take in, you know, and it feels like you're getting a little bit of information overload. Then you go jump, then you come back. And then you take in more information, but it's it's more information that you can relate to now because you've actually done a jump again, you know. Yeah. So it's, um, yeah, you don't want to go in and get like five, ten minutes just before you're running out to an aircraft, you know. Like we do, the first flights that I do, like I'm always emphasizing gear checks, you know, going over all your emergency procedures like over and over just so they're like, almost second nature before you're getting in the plane again because it is a big deal when you've got fabric between your legs and between your arms that you're not used to. You're in a straight jacket. We make that yeah. joke, but you legitimately are in a straight jacket. Yeah, I forget what my mate calls it. It's like... Oh, skydiving in a dress for sure. Yeah, skydiving in a dress for sure, but I think he calls it like the death dress or something like that, death dressing, something weird. It's um, So first of all, you know, it, here's an obvious statement. You say two and a half to three hours is your first flight course. Yeah. So if I'm going up to my homie <clears throat> and my homie's throwing me a 30-minute first flight course, <laughs> is it fair to say he's not treating I'm, I'm, – he's endangering my life? Essentially, yes, um, because there's no way you can get that sort of information that I need to learn in that shorter period of time. And um, I don't care how amazing you are. I had 7,000 jumps when I did my first flight course. Hmm. 
and <laughs> it took three hours. Yeah, and I I would not ha- I I would ask for it to be the same way again. The the things I learned. Yeah. Uh, the time he took with me, the things he made me practice, the yeah. recovery drills he made me go through. And then I went six years-ish, plus or minus, uh, between uh, 25-ish, 20 maybe uh, wingsuit jumps. Am um, I ready to tell people 12 just because, you know, under promise, over deliver? Yeah. Um, but it was about 20. And yeah. then uh, getting current again. And once again, two hour maybe is yeah. what Jeremy Carnop took me through of training. Jeremy's really good. Dude, I appreciate yeah. him. And now we've got a, a formal school with uh, yeah. Anthony Zerbonia. Yeah, that's definitely good. So if I'm getting 30 minutes to an hour with a homie, I had 7,000 jumps, and I agree <laughs> with you. Those two and a half, three hours is, I mean, like, I wouldn't have had any other way. Yeah. The other thing when it comes to a first flight course, I'm getting zipped up, thrown in my jumpsuit, my wingsuit, and I'm, I'm, I'm ready by or at the five-minute call with my wingsuit. That's what we typically try to be ready with with our skydiving gear. Do you think on a first flight or any flight that's a, 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 a fish or sufficient? You need to think like you're at a chuckways. You need to be out there half an hour to an hour before sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, we're talking like like I like to be out there half an hour before, um, just because you got to dirt dive this stuff, man. Like you got to get out in the plane. You got to do your dirt dives. You got to make sure they know what a gear check is. And then, so you do the dirt dive, you go over the jump, you do a little walking around, like little penguins a bit, and then... You attract the attention of the Wafo chicks. Yeah, that's it. You just like, all right, point and click, point and click. And then, you know, you just go over your emergency procedures again, and then you go... I think the biggest thing is that I practice is getting out of the door and just telling, like, the worst thing I hate to say is just, like, relax into it. But that's the most natural way to sort of tell people how it is because it... The more relaxed they are, the less they are potato chipping, and you know it's just like anything else. As a novice wingsuiter, that makes all that I like those words. I haven't yeah. heard somebody say it that way. Yeah, that helps a lot. It's sort of, yeah, it's sort of like I like to say relaxed, but at the same time, it's like not. But for a first flight, definitely, it's gonna it's gonna end out a bit better. Yeah, relax with maximum muscle control is what it really is. Exactly. And those were that that's almost an oxymoron. Yes. So. Um, now, now I've gotten into wingsuiting. Now I've kind of been like, man, this is super cool. Um, I've got 25 wingsuit jumps now. Now I have my A license in wingsuiting, yeah. so to speak. <laughs> and then I see people regularly go like, I'm a badass. I'm getting the biggest fucking possible dress possible. And <laughs> I'm going to be competing at fucking Red Bull next to fucking Luke Rogers. Yeah, right. that, that's definitely a great goal man if any if you meet a new jumper who has a goal like that and you shoot him down fuck you yeah don't shoot definitely. him down just tell him how to get it man yeah. like you know right now a dude justin modlin is trying to get into swooping and i ain't telling him no i'm just showing him how yeah you know so how do i go from the the novice wingsuiter to become luke rogers or or noah bonson because goddamn, those are some names right there the quickest way to get there would definitely be getting coaching from people that are there that is the best way to do it because they're going to know exactly where you are in your progression scale and they're going to be able to teach you how to get there the quickest and dead set coaching, coaching, coaching. Um, and then, as you said before, like the best coaches will always give you a lot of work, you know, so they're going to give you a lot to go away with, a lot to think about um, by fly site and just... That's pretty much your religion from then on afterwards. It's just like fly sight, fly sight, looking at the data, feeling the wingsuit, and uh, 
that's pretty much it, mate. Just you know, if you want if you want anything hard enough, you'll get it. You know, you just got to keep wanting it, keep pushing. There are going to be shit times. There's going to be frustration because that's just how everything is. It's no different with wingsuiting. Um, but yeah, you just got to keep crushing it, man. And in, in in anything, struggle is that opportunity to learn. If you're struggling. Yeah. And you're sticking to the struggle. Chances are you're growing. Chances are you're yeah. learning. Probably not at a pace you're happy with. Because <laughs> if you're ever happy with the pace you're growing at, you're not pushing yourself hard enough. Yeah. And, and that's, I mean, we've dealt with a lot of champions sitting on this podcast. And I don't always mean gold medal champions. I just mean winners at what they do. And you've not just, forget Australian nationals for a second. Forget being the Australian <laughs> national champion. The champ. That was fucking horrible. That was Sean Connery. <laughs> I don't know what that was. Spain a shit cunt, mate. Yeah. But, dude, you just, love that. disrespecting Australia. <laughs> dude, you were so good at an Aussie accent. It's just, because I've just made fun of these guys for the last <laughs> couple of years. Like, that we're surrounded by these it's assholes. Best, like, by these bloody cunts. That's how I do, like, I can do a pretty good... American accent, but that's just from doing the same thing, just giving each other shit. Say, wash my car. Wash my car. Nope. No, that was bad. That was forced. Wash my car. That's pretty, that's better. Yeah, that's good. Say, water. Water. There you go. Rosie. Water. Dude, Rosie is fucking dope at saying the word water in American. Rosie's a classic. Dude, that. that She's selling a canopy for a knee Rico. For a fucking ACL, (laughs) dude. It's so sad to see. (laughs) I mean, Rosie and Ken, dude, I miss those two fucking cunts, man. It Dude. was brutal when I saw that online, like they were getting shipped out. One of my favorite things that Rosie and Ken taught me is an Australian uh, saying, up the bum. Up the bum. No babies. No babies. You know that yeah. toast, that cheer? Up the bum, no babies. Yeah. Hey, Vaughn. Yeah. <laughs> Why Vaughn is over here <laughs> going like, sure, up the bum, no babies. Yeah. Hey, Valerie, if you're listening, girl, up the bum, no babies. We're non-breeders, so I'm just trying to advocate <laughs> like, you know. Yeah, we're non-breeders too. A smaller carbon footprint. Oh, you're non-breeders, so is, yep. are you all getting married? Is that what I'm hearing? Uh... Let's just leave it going up the bum. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I Let's leave it up the bum for now. The awkward tension. Um, <laughs> awesome. I was waiting for, like, you know, something special. No, not yet. No? No, I'm not going to see Elvis yet. You're not going to see. So that's why you guys are going to Vegas. You heard it here first. They're getting married in Vegas. At and Elvis she's pregnant. Chapel. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> she's up the duff. Uh, Yvonne's been all good up with the these. Duff. Up the duff. What the fuck is up the duff? The bum. <laughs> Pregnant up the duff. Oh, the duff What's is not the bum. What is the duff? The duff. The muff. The muff. The duff. The cut, like the she's pooch. up the duff. That means like some dude's throwing a water. Ah, she's up the duff, man. Yeah, she's up the duff. She's preggers. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> no, um, I'm just Luke, mate. Just Luke. You can call me Luke. What if? What if I? Uh, I when people say, "Oh my god," I, I point at the beard and say, "I prefer Mohammed." Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, had to push my girlfriend down the stairs, mate. Yeah, got <laughs> her up the duff. duff. <laughs> <laughs> I'm went, catching on. Went down, went down to the local abortion clinic. Nah, she didn't do it, so I had to kick her down the stairs. Up the duff. Not up the... <laughs> you are so fucking bogus <laughs> with that last line. <laughs> Man, you mentioned coaching. Um, you're... Next level is I I did a little research when you announced yourself as a next level coach, which was a little while ago now. Yeah, I was like, well, if Luke's endorsing next level coaching, then these guys have to be super legit because you you definitely hold the value to what who you put your name behind. Yeah. Um, if I want to get uh, first of all, how, what does next level coaches charge for first flight courses? 
So I think we we just charge like a two fifty a day for coaching usually, nice and uh, just like a flat rate like that. Sometimes different events are a little bit more like your base and stuff, but you know I've I only do um, I haven't done a first uh, a next level course for the first jump course yet. Um, I've just done like a level two, which is just um, like intermediate wingsuiting and stuff like that. Uh, so, so far I haven't done like release next level over here because I wanted the big dogs in the next level crew to come over here first. Over here um, being Australia. Yeah. Over, over in Australia. Cause so we're I'll, sitting in Texas, yeah. motherfucker. <laughs> Sorry, bro. <laughs> yeah. I keep forgetting where I am. I travel a lot, but, um, so it's, I wanted Ed, those guys to come over here and just release it to basically as many wingsuiters as possible. So they know what they're going to get. And then, you know, I can just represent Next Level over in Australia. So I'm sitting in Perth, Australia. Perth. 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 I'm sitting in Perth, Australia. And there's my Texas Australian right there. Um, And I want to hire Luke Rogers as a coach. How do I hit you up? How do I get a hold of you? How do I, like, you know, acquire your bitch services? My bitch services? Well, you can just, like, a lot of people just message me on Facebook. That's the easiest way possible um so just majority of people are already my friends on facebook so just hit me up on facebook and uh tell me what you want to do tell me what you want to work on and basically i can just get a course and just work it around those um what you want to do basically and wait just where you're at and what you what you want to be or what you want to do and then we can work towards our goal sort of thing so we just like we do have set courses but we we always mold them around the people we're dealing with, you know. Custom tailored to your needs, basically. You have to. It's uh, and by the way, if you listen to this on the podcast, which uh, a much larger number of our audience is, is download listeners than live listeners, uh, if you go to the description of this podcast or the text that shows on your screen, we'll have Luke's uh, Facebook handle listed there as well. We always try to list how to get a hold of you guys. Yeah. And so. Um, uh, if you want to hit up Luke, and we'll also include a little link for Next Level Coaching. Sweet. Um, Next Level Wingsuit. Appreciate because, it. Uh, dude, I've looked at the list of people y'all have. There's some badasses in there. Dude. That's why when they asked me, I was surprised. I was like, what? What because the fuck you know, is this chump doing with you know, these fucking you can get You can get really good flyers, but it doesn't necessarily make them really good coaches, you know? So. Yeah. It was it was a bit of an honor when they asked me to be a part of that. So, dude, I've gotten very very blessed to be invited into a couple groups of, of people, and I don't I still to this day don't understand what my name is doing <laughs> on the list of, of a couple other people yeah. next to me. It, it's humbling, yeah. isn't it? It's it's crazy. It just like I'm just Luke from Logan. Like that's the way I see myself all the time. And then people are just like, "Oh, you're that wingsuit guy." And I was like, "Yeah, I, I wingsuit, but you know, I'm just." A guy from Logan, you know, that's... Luke the Bogan from Luke Logan. Luke the Bogan from Logan, that's all I'll always be, but... I always thought yeah. that's so humbling was kind of just a, a, a figure of speech, just a statement, just, just something to say. And as I've got to fortunately reach <coughs> some level of hard work, and hard work is what I consider it, mm. uh, as other people consider success, and Mr. P has that same level of understanding, like, no matter how successful I accuse you of being, you just think of it as hard work. Um, it's truly humbling. And I think that's what you've, I mean, that's where you're at. You're at a high level of humble. It's, it's a lot of work to get there. (laughs) Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, you know, it's just, you just got to keep your roots in the ground, you know, like non-sexually, but yeah, just keep rooted. I'll encourage people. If you meet some dude like Luke Rogers or you meet some dude that you, you worship and idolize, 
the one favor I'll ask everybody, and you might appreciate this, is don't put us on a pedestal because the higher yeah. you put somebody, and I love my boy Hank, Hank Henry Pruitt. We had him on the show. <laughs> He's a legend. I I love him to <laughs> death. But one thing that I tell him regularly is don't put people on a pedestal because yeah. he introduces me to people as his hero, and I appreciate that I can be <laughs> that to Hank. Yeah. And and I don't want to uh, minimalize that idea. But don't put these people on a pedestal because the higher you put us, the harder we fall when yeah. we disappoint you. And I promise you, we will disappoint <laughs> yes. you. No shit, right? Yeah, we're, he, we're, we're only human as well, you know. And that's that's the coolest thing. Like when I met uh, so, sort of like the squirrel guys like Matt and Noah and all those guys, they're just like you and me. Like you can just sit down. They're just normal people like everybody else. And that's sort of, you know, what really hits home. It's like, wow, these people are so cool. And they're just so, so like normal, like us, you know, so. They're just like you and me, man. The, the completely normal people who also have the same uh, pet peeves, who also have the same <laughs> yeah. negative qualities. <laughs> and None of them are perfect. And behind, behind closed doors attitudes. Oh, dude. Yeah. <laughs> That's when you really get to meet the funniness it's, and the it's funny sides of people. So much more entertaining. <laughs> yeah. Man, we're going to close this out. And as we close out, is there anything you want people to know about Luke Rogers and what you do? Uh, I got really nothing, to be honest. Like I I'll just tell you, he's a sick fucking cunt, <laughs> eh? Sick cunt, eh? Yeah. God damn, you're all. I'm, I'm a sick cunt, eh? Like, Did I get the the one word? No, sick cunt, eh? Sick cunt, eh? Sick cunt, eh? Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, good eye, sick cunt, eh? And I'll I'll share briefly for Gravity Lab Radio. Ben Nelson at Skydive Spaceland Houston has acquired a total of about a hundred Gravity Lab Radio stickers. Between Mr. P and myself, we have a total of about 200 Gravity Lab radio stickers. So if you want a Dang. Gravity Gravity Lab radio sticker, hit us up, man. They're perfect for the size of the helmet. If you're willing to share our name, dude, we, we can't thank you enough. Yeah. Um, we, we, I, I would love for, for people to wear it. Um, other than that, that's what you have to share. Mr. P, anything else you want to throw out there as we close out the show? I'm going to start this music right now. Boom. <laughs> Till then, guys and gals. <laughs> Ooh. We will see you this Saturday Ooh. at the Film Festival in Space Land Houston. Oh, yeah, come to the Film Festival. <laughs> Shit's going to be awesome. Space Land Dallas. <laughs> Till then, this is Mr. P. This has been our boy Luke Rogers, you bloody cunt. <laughs> Get it up, yeah. This is up DJ, DJ Marvin for Gravity Lab Radio. Blue Skies, we are out. <laughs>